4: What's up, party people, and welcome to Countdown to Classic. This is a podcast that educates, informs, and gossips about World of Warcraft Classic. Each week, we discuss the news, hot-button issues, and content of the highly anticipated Classic servers. I'm your host, Josh Corbett, and this is a show where it's not my opinion on World of Warcraft that counts, but yours. If you're new to the show, Countdown to Classic goes through your expert input on everything relating to the upcoming release of World of Warcraft Classic. Now this week, we've got a doozy of a show for you, and normally I'd lead off with the big news we got, but... I'm actually going to kick off with a very special chat, and it's what has easily been the most requested interview on the show, and I have to throw in a huge thank you to listener Guilty Sins, who made this happen, as I sat down with Mute. ...famously of the World of Roguecraft videos. Mute was a blast to chat with, and it's been great seeing him hanging out and chatting in the Countdown to Classic Discord since the interview, and I really hope you all get a big kick out of this one. After that, we've got the listeners' takes on last week's big news, then we hear from legendary former Vanilla WoW class designer Kevin Jordan again, in our ongoing Ask Kevin segment, as we discuss the history and design decisions behind Druids. To cap things off, considering Alterac Valley was in the news last week. We continued with that hot topic in a huge general call about everything and anything Alterac Valley. You all know the drill by now. This is a community based podcast. So if you like what you're hearing, join the discord now and keep the conversations going with us all over there. Follow me on Twitter at count2classic with the number two or email me at feedback at com if you'd like to call into the show, make a suggestion or just say hi. Everything you'll need is in the show notes for each episode along with the show's Patreon link if you'd like to help keep the show going. Or if subscriptions aren't your thing, then you can help keep the lights on at Countdown by checking out the show's tip jar over at Ko-Fi. The show's merch store also got an update this week with our great new hashtag No Changes design that a bunch of you might want to pick up on a t-shirt, a hoodie, or a coffee mug, and much more. So please go and take a look at that design in the Discord or on the merch store and see how it looks. It's great. Great. But for now, let's start the show with Calling Countdown. All right, it's time for a very special Countdown to Classic interview, and this is something that I've been really, really excited to do. I'm so, so excited that this person has reached out and contacted me because this is the call that so many of you have been asking for. This is easily the most requested interview that I get for the show, and this person randomly reached out to me about 25 minutes ago when we started chatting, and it's mute from World of Rowcraft, Mute. How are you, mate? How are you? I'm really well. Look, I, I cannot thank you enough for agreeing to do this uh, talk on such short notice. It- it's so great to have you on the show, and I know we've got a boatload of questions for you. And when I say we, I'll quickly introduce the two other people on this call, and... They've both been on the show a bit recently, but you know we're almost getting to the point where you guys are are a de facto co-hosts. But that's fine by me. You're both massive fans of Mute. You had a lot of questions for him, so we'll get through it all. First of all, once again, as always, welcome Ale.
5: Thank you. It's good to be here. This is going to be really special.
4: I I hope so. I definitely think so as well. And second, we've got Mike Balls of Steel. How are you, mate?
6: What up to classic listeners once again. Uh I am super excited for this interview. Mute. Uh, you are the reason why I play play a rogue just to like I'm not going to try to like fanboy too much here, but like <laughs> I is awesome to talk try to talk to you today.
4: I uh, I've got, I've got no doubt mute that a lot of people will be saying the same thing to you and uh you know people listening to this might feel the same way but let's get into it mute I want to know a little bit more about you and these might be the easier questions straight off the bat um If people might be able to go and find, you did put up a post on some YouTube repostings of the World of Warcraft videos, and you told people a little bit about your personal circumstances, saying that you've walked away from World of Warcraft in recent years and obviously moved on to bigger and better things in life, just kind of changed your focus. But tell us a bit about you more recently and and sort of how you came to walk away from the game.
3: Oh, uh, I didn't start college until later in life. So I started pursuing a nursing career. I was doing forestry for quite a while before then. And so I was like, well, I don't really have as much time to play video games as much as I would would have liked to. So I, I stopped playing them as much. Mm. Like I still have played well in Cataclysm a little bit, but I didn't play it too much.
4: Okay. Now, do you ever kind of yearn for those days you know in this day and age do you do you walk around ever during the day and go oh i kind of miss wow or are you really at peace with walking away from not only wow but video games in general
3: oh no i i definitely would still enjoy playing it i don't know if i would have as much time to play it though if, if i started playing it again
4: hmm. now obviously we're all a little bit older we're all a little bit wiser as you say time is more of the essence than ever before as you know classic is coming and you know people are worried about the amount of time that they're going to be able to devote to it as you know older players with families and whatnot um you mentioned as well sort of speaking of family that obviously your brother was an integral part of those incredibly um famous world of rowcraft videos uh what can you tell us about your brother and, and sort of the two of you and the work that he did on the videos
3: he did all of the editing for the videos. He picked most of the music for the videos. He did the voice of the, the warlock in the video. The only real thing I did in the video was the PVP and the voice of the rogue. And hmm. he's a, he went into radiology now. So he lives in Montana. He has three kids. He hasn't played games for a long time. Like he quit wow before he even.
4: Okay. Um, I, I, I do get a kick out of it. I must say I get a kick out of you sort of saying, Oh, all I did was the PVP. You know, my, my role was relatively small, but I'm sure <laughs> that was a very large part of the video as well that got so many people involved with what you were doing there. Now, thanks so much for giving us a little bit of background, but I guess I'll start with these videos and i mean that's you know what so many people know you for that that's why that name mute commands such a amount of respect amongst the community can you tell us how you and your brother conceived the idea behind the videos
3: well i originally was playing a warlock and i just got tired of having rogues constantly kill me and then spam about laughing and stuff like that so i was like you know this class doesn't seem that difficult to play, so I made one. Had no idea what I was doing. It's like you know, I bet I could kill people with nothing on. So I did it, and I was like, okay, well, let's uh, record these, and and then uh, we put some music together, and it, and the songs just fit. Like at the end of the the th- uh, three, we put a Terminator song in it, and it just fit perfectly. Like we didn't edit any of it. We just happened by chance to get songs that just fit perfectly to the fight scenes.
4: Okay, well, I might sort of walk you through. The choices in in the videos and it's something that ale has really helped point me out to. and i I know we just kind of glossed over it um in terms of what you were looking to show off in your videos in the gameplay of rogues but obviously as you say you started out because you were sick of rogues and you wanted to try out the class and see what they were all about at what point did you really start to get down to the nitty-gritty and start to feel a bit more confident in trying to play with what gear you could and could not wear and, and uh you know, what stats were affected by the gear you were wearing with a rogue?
3: It, it, it happened pretty quick. Uh, I just started, uh, every time I would kill somebody, I would turn on less gear or more ridiculous gear to see if I could fight people and kill them just as easily. And at that time, it seemed to work really well during Worldcraft 3. And then when we got to uh episode one, I was a lot more familiar with rogues And I knew how to stun lock a lot better to where you could actually kill a person where they couldn't move at all. And so I was a lot more familiar with the class by that point.
4: Do you remember what it was like when you basically rolled this rogue and started finding out the extent to which you could elongate that stun lock?
3: I remember thinking that it was a tad bit absurd, but...
4: Ale, I might throw it over to you because you raised a really good point in some PMs to me just then um regarding some of Mute's work and and please by all means feel free to ask a question of your own here, but you explained to me the maths behind why Mute's work was so important in terms of the scaling with eviscerate. Can you explain that a bit more for the listeners and maybe shoot a question Mute's way?
5: The big thing that, you know, Mute's videos really brought forward was how Rogues were totally different from other classes in how they scaled with gear and their abilities. The main points that are brought up between like the Warlock and the Rogue is that you know every point of agility a Rogue gets, they gain attack power, they gain critical strike. Where a Warlock, they get intellect and, sure, they get critical strike, but it's like 60 for one. And they get mana, but mana doesn't even really matter. Um, as well, Rogues get dodge and armor from agility too, I believe. So it's really one stat really buffs every you know every ability a rogue has and then him being able to go through and not use you know any items with agility was really impressive and that was due to i believe eviscerate having a a static uh damage that wasn't affected by um by gear yep
6: yeah by the time you were level 60 did about like 1500 damage with like no gear if you just had five combo points
4: With the stun locks that you were pulling off with, and you start filming them for the series, did you find that there were also a number of times that, you know, things didn't go your way where if you, you know, PvP fails that perhaps hit the cutting room floor and you're like, yikes, maybe I wasn't as powerful. Like what, what, tell us about what people didn't see as opposed to what made the final cut.
3: Uh, actually, I know it might seem a little ridiculous to say this, but the majority of the fights that I had, I won almost every single one of them. One, because I, I tested the stun lock against my brother on a uh, test server um, until I got it down perfectly. We, we just tried to see what ways we could kill a person. And that's how we figured out that you could do it is by me just testing random things. And then I made a level one Alliance character on a different account. And I friended all of the people with high equipment on the Alliance side. And then I would go to the zone they were in and look for them until I found them. And then I would a lot of times I would find them when they were fighting mobs or farming I would wait for them to get to full health and then I would attack them and then kill them. Hmm. And the only person that I didn't kill was a there was a, a priest. I think his name was Twist or something like that. And uh there was a glitch at the time where if they feared you, it would make it so you couldn't use any abilities. Like it would just lock your whole keyboard and so he killed me. But other than that, I really didn't lose to really anybody.
2: Hmm.
4: Mike, I'm going to let you ask the next question because I had this one in mind, but I wanted it to come from you because you and I both played rogues. Obviously, Mute played a rogue as well, famously. But you played a rogue for a different reason to me. Now, you mentioned at the top of the show that Mute was perhaps the reason behind your choice. So I'll let you have a little bit of a chat to Mute and ask your question.
6: My main one first is... um wasn't there, when, when World of Warcraft, when you initially like pub- publicized it, with the, the first fight uh, with Maydai in the video, wasn't there a controversy that it was, wasn't actually Maydai playing the account or at some point?
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he messaged me after we came out with like the trailer to the video, and he said, oh, it wasn't me, it was my cousin. He said because he was in a uh, different guild at the time. Well, I had a different fight where I was fighting him when he was in that guild. So I was like, he acted exactly the same, and I did upload that one as well. So I, I killed him in Ironforge a few times, but I, I don't know if it was him or not. I, I mean, he was always a really nice guy, and I wasn't doing it to like embarrass him or something. I just ended up adding him because he had really high equipment.
6: I, I just heard about that controvert, like quote controversy. About the video, that's like wh- like people came with like the the BS excuse of why you killed him so easily because it wasn't actually Madai playing his character. So I was I was like fascinated by that. So I'm glad to hear it from the source. So
3: well, I was really shocked that I did kill him because the last crit that I got him, um, like I didn't have any. Um, what's that thing that makes your hand glow blue? It's been so long since
6: I've uh, cold that blood, it cold blood. blood.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't have anything up. I just happened to crit him with like a 5% crit chance and that's what killed him at the end. Otherwise I would have lost. But I was, Oh yeah, like, yeah. Him around for like for like an hour or so on his mount. He just kept running around that area.
6: Yeah, then you cr- yeah, I think it was like you him for like 23. 23- yeah, you like cold blood and then he's got the guaranteed crit for like 2300 on him just to finish him off. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, man. Worked out.
5: Can I hop in here for a question? Go for it, yeah. mate. I was wondering mute if you knew that Nowadays in modern world, they've actually changed all of the class abilities, so they work exactly like Rogue, the Rogue Agil- for Agility did back in the day. So I, I was wondering if you were aware that they'd actually changed all the balance of every ability to affect classes like Agility does Rogue in the modern game.
3: I was not. That's That's good to hear.
5: Some people see it as a negative because it's really homogenized everything like for example like casters they only want intellect and you know rogues want agility and and things like that so it's it's removed a little bit of the fluff but it's made everything a lot more uh more simple i guess and and i, I even have like a sneaking suspicion that maybe it wasn't your video directly but they definitely followed in that idea where things have become a lot more, you know, in that form of the rogue as opposed to going in the other direction and being more unique.
4: Mute, if I can ask you, just piggybacking off of that, off of what Ailes just said, after you guys have done the video series... What was the after effect of that? Did you record them thinking nothing of it and then were taken by surprise by the community's reception or did people all of a sudden start trying to contact you all the time? Was everyone trying to pick a fight with you all the time? Now what happened straight afterwards?
3: Oh, I got, I got hundreds and hundreds of people spamming me, just, just cursing. And then I, I also did get a lot of nice messages as well. But I I really didn't expect anything to happen from those videos. I mainly made them because I thought it was funny, and I just felt like proving a point. But I didn't expect them to become popular or anything like that.
6: They're still hilarious, by the way, even 15 years later.
4: That's the thing, Mute, is are you surprised that 15 years later, these videos are still as iconic as they are? And that again, 15 years later, here's three guys geeking out over your work and still taken aback and still basically putting it in the conversation when we talk about the upcoming release of world of warcraft classic does that still kind of surprise you in any way
3: yeah it also makes me feel old 15 (laughs) years i didn't know that long
4: (laughs) now mate if you talk about the amount of contact that you got do you have any stories that come to the forefront of your mind was there anything particularly negative that came out was there anyone really venomous in their hate for for the way in which you showed off the class or said that you know, you were full of shit or anything, or this is uh, tax, or, you know, you're not even that good. I could take you or anything like that. Anything negative that happened, like, like when I say negative, oh, I mean yeah. anything oh, yeah. truly there negative. Were a lot of alliance
3: people that, that did that. And a lot of them, uh, even the ones that were nice, like almost every single one of them was said, Oh, it wasn't really me. And so mm. on. <laughs> and nobody wants to admit to getting killed by somebody with no gear on. Yeah. So that's understandable. But I, I didn't make the videos to like make people look bad. I was doing it just to show the class was ridiculous. And I tried to make them feel a little better by emphasizing that that wasn't the reason, but nobody, nobody's going to be comfortable with getting killed by somebody else with no gear on.
4: Yeah. Did you ever hear anything back, again, as Ale alluded to earlier, Ale feels that, your work with the world of roadcraft videos is perhaps part of the reason that the game went down a certain avenue with class homogenization. But did you ever get any word back whatsoever of anyone at Blizzard catching wind of your videos and having any kind of viewpoint on them?
3: No, no. I mean, there's, there was a few of uh, the uh, mods on the forums that commented that said they liked them, but they, they never told us. I don't think they would have told us because then everybody would be making videos trying to change things.
4: Hmm. With um you know, there's obviously a few videos in the World of Roadcraft series. How long did these things take to put together and what kind of work went into them?
3: The reason I say my brother did most of it is because he did a lot of the editing. Like I had no idea how to do editing. Mm. And he put a lot of work into to make those. Well, it did take me a lot of time, uh especially for Roadcraft 1. It took me hours and hours to find all of those people. Uh but for the first video, like Roadcraft 3. That, that took almost no... Like I just went out into the wilderness and just found people to kill that I thought had decent gear. Hmm. Uh, and, and the second one also took a while to film all the, the different stats and uh, the statistical things with like crits and stuff, but warlocks. But definitely Worldcraft 1 took the longest by far.
4: Okay. Mike, I'll throw it back to you, mate, and then we'll go to Ale after this. Mike, you had a few questions that you sent to me that you'd love to ask Mute, Pop in with one. What have you got for him?
6: Uh, I was going to say, what was, uh, back, back when you, you played a rogue, what was actually your favorite part about playing a rogue? Even though, like, you weren't totally keen on the class and you had made the videos just to prove how broken rogues were. But, like, what was your fa- actual, actual favorite part of play, just playing the class?
3: Uh, I liked going to Ironforge, actually, and, and, or, uh, Stormwind and killing people there. I, Cause that, that was really enjoyable for me to go into the main cities and just kill, kill them.
6: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I love, I love doing that with the Rogue. Um, I guess another one, the one that I had that's probably a little more in depth is like, after you publish World of Roguecraft, I feel like you've, f- you finished like you, you doing all the PvP and then your brother editing it all. Like in hindsight, what would like you have changed about World of Roguecraft?
3: Oh, uh, well, I definitely wouldn't have come out with the Roguecraft 3 first. The reason we did that is. We thought it was uh, we were gonna just put the PvP at the end, and so we really had no idea what the heck we were doing. And so <laughs> we we called it rowcraft Three, thinking we were gonna put some stuff in the beginning, and then it just ended up becoming like the reverse Star Wars
4: crap. And is just yeah. <laughs> no, that makes that makes sense. Ale, have you got something for mute?
5: Yeah, I was wondering how you started in Warcraft.
3: Uh well, I I played like Warcraft One, Two, and Three, and then. When I heard about World of Warcraft coming out, I mean, I I definitely wanted to to try it out and I knew I was going to want to play it. Uh, But I had played other MMOs like Asheron's Call. Uh, I played that for quite a while. And uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with...
4: With Asheron's Call? Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely.
3: Yeah, so I played that before. And then I played Dark Age of Camelot and then I played uh, WoW.
4: Were you still playing Dayok at the same time as WoW or was, was that well before? No, but after. I actually
3: did start playing it. I'm actually playing it now. I mean, I, not at this very moment, but I uh, I started playing <laughs> it a little bit over the last few months and it's it's pretty fun. There's only a few hundred people on each round, but it's it's not a bad
4: Mm. I guess a, a question that's going to be on the tip of everyone's tongues listening to this call is, you know, as I mentioned, we've got World of Warcraft Classic coming just around the corner in summer of this year. We're only a few months away. And you've made it well known that you walked away from WoW years ago. As you say, you don't really play video games anymore. Is there any temptation whatsoever to come back to WoW once you found out that Blizzard was doing WoW Classic?
3: I mean, it sounds uh, somewhat appealing, but I don't... Is it going to be like everything like Classic? Because, I mean, back then classes were not very balanced i'm, I'm hoping it's not going to be like that kind of classic because I, I don't know if i would enjoy that as much i did really like the wolf pvp hmm. i'm not a big fan of
4: hmm. so you were a fan more as you say you played on the game through some of the expansions were you a fan of some of the class balancing that came with each expansion
3: yeah but i i was never a big fan of like the arenas or all the 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 different battleground. I liked the world PvP. That was really fun for me. But when they got all the expansions, it just kind of went away, and I wasn't wasn't into that.
4: Hmm. After the success of of World of Roguecraft and obviously the spotlight that you've shown on that class, and I know the rogues were relatively unique, as you say, because of what they could do with stun locking. But was there ever any kind of desire to do a follow up series with another class?
3: I thought about doing a druid, but by then I was just like, uh ah, well my brother quit at that point and he I was like, Well, I don't know how to do the editing, I just don't have the motivation to learn. Mm-hmm. So screw <laughs> so that.
5: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna steal Biff's uh, Viv's question from the chat and uh did you have any um any iconic old videos that were made by other people that maybe inspired you? Like maybe from Warcraft movies?
3: I, I actually didn't didn't uh, watch anything on Warcraft movies until <laughs> after uh we made that video <laughs> I didn't even know that was popular to make movies back then I was just like okay yeah let's just do this
4: stuff. no worries uh mike have you have you sat on something and, and thought of one
6: uh i, I guess if this is a little more humorful, but like how does it like how does it feel to know that like you're probably like number 1 or 2 reason for, for at least people that played WoW back in classic for like to be the reason that people played a rogue like they saw like when I saw World of Roguecraft when I was 10 or 11 years old I saw that I was like oh my god I want to play a rogue and then I've passed 15 years I have never looked back you're like your videos inspired me to play this class and probably hundreds of thousands of other people like did you did you ever think your videos would do that like you you're that you're one of the the few people to have influenced so many people to play rogue
3: i, I never would have guessed that that would have influenced people to play play rogue i was actually hoping that it would influence people to play a warlock but uh yeah i didn't do a good job
4: <laughs> fair enough your your brother has uh walked away from video games as well so um it sounds like you you might have waved your last the both of you might have waved your last goodbye to wow but um if you had anything to say about World of Warcraft Classic and, and the re-release of the game, as you say, you weren't a big fan of the way the classes were balanced back then. But if, let's say, in the hypothetical situation that you were to play this game again, what class would you roll? Is it a stupid question because the answer would 100% be rogue or are you so done with them you'd be ready to go through another class?
3: uh paladin was actually always my favorite really yep why is that i just enjoyed that class like once they made a um possible for blood elves i i made a blood elf in uh cataclysm Mm -hmm. and played with my my guild for a while but i i just really enjoyed that class i I can't even remember why i don't even remember what abilities they had but i (laughs) i think i just like you could bubble on her the the classic
4: now yeah (laughs) mute if, if i asked you what is your either let's say your favorite video in the do you have a personal favorite in the world of Rogue craft series or series or on top of that do you have a personal favorite highlight or fight within the series that you still might smile warmly at uh
3: the, yes actually the the second video when my brother laughed for like five minutes <laughs> i had to think of a uh because uh, he, I knew he had to laugh for a really long time for that part to work right. And I can't remember the story, but I, I found something that was really funny that happened. And I waited until just the right moment to record it. And, and he was just able to keep it going and it worked great.
4: Can you recall the funniest bit of feedback? you've ever gotten about the series whether it be by way of you know a comment over at um uh warcraft movies a comment on youtube an email you've gotten does anything stick out as, as the oddest or funniest thing you've heard from a fan of the series
3: uh from the fan of the uh i can think of a lot of i i got a lot more negative comments right, than yeah, I if did. if you can think
4: of the funniest negative one you've you, you can think of hit us with that as well
3: oh uh, well i had one guy he just he just would not stop. He just kept telling me how I, I, I faked it all and I set it all up and he kept calling me the, uh, oh, what, what's that? Gosh, what is that? Uh, Michael Moore. Yeah. 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 They kept calling me the Michael Moore of, wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for like months, months on end, just telling me what a, what a, uh, I don't remember all the words, but he was just saying how I just forged the whole thing and, and set it all up and paid people. And then, and then he said we got paid voice actors to, do the uh the videos i was like okay yeah
4: (laughs) well i mean that must have been you must have taken that as a bit of a compliment right
3: yeah i thought it was funny it's like i didn't i didn't even try to do voice acting but i'm glad he thinks i'm good
4: oh that's fantastic what did your guild think of what you were doing once they found out what was going on
3: oh well actually everybody that joined the guild uh joined it because of the videos like we didn't plan i i made the guild solely uh, just to piss off rogues hmm. and then we got a bunch of people I was like well let's start raiding
4: yeah you wouldn't know this mute but i've actually interviewed someone on the show before who was in a guild with you and and they talked about what it was like playing with you and your brother and they said that you know you guys were great guys and it was all a bit of fun so um it, it's interesting to hear it from your perspective of of what your guildies might feel or what they might have said to you on a daily basis whether they gave you a bit of shit poked, poked a bit of fun at you about um sort of the the fame that you were collecting through the videos.
3: Oh, no. Everybody in the Guild was super nice. Like, we had a little bit of drama from here and there, but, like, I really liked everybody in the Guild. They were they were really positive people.
4: Fair enough, fair enough. All right, guys. Well, look, I mean i i'm pretty much tapped out of questions i'll open it up to you guys and even if anyone in twitch chat has anything they wanted to ask mute before we let him go he's been so fantastic and so gracious to answer all of our questions mike ale if you can think of any final questions for you i don't want to sort of keep mute up all night but i mean if you can think of anything we haven't touched on yet then please do shout it out now or forever hold your peace
6: oh god i'm like i've I have so many like just racing through my head that it was just like
4: <laughs> Mike is fan <fan-boying. laughs> Mike is fanboying out massively here mute. It's it's all good man. Oh look, here's a good one for you mute. Mike, you you have a think about that. That's all good mate. You have a seat, you collect yourself, compose yourself and have a think. I'll ask you this one mute, which is a great question from um regular contributor to the show Viv, who asks um mute, what would you say in your rankings and in your mind is the easiest to hardest classes for you to kill in vanilla when you were making those videos, perhaps as a rogue.
3: The easiest class to kill was, uh, probably any cloth wear and rogues because they, they would have no chance to fight back whatsoever. The most difficult class was a paladin. Like we didn't put any paladins in when they were, uh, when without any armor on because there's, there was no way to, to stun lock them to death when they were just bubble. Hmm. But yeah, I'd probably say a paladin. And then possibly, I don't, did I kill warlocks? I can't even remember, man. It's been so long. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I killed any warlocks without any gear on either because they had a pet that they could just hit you with. Hmm. But yeah, probably a paladin would be the most difficult and the easiest. Uh, like warriors, they, yeah, they were, they were difficult, but they were. Okay. So here's one thing I will admit. So for, uh, oh, what's her name? This is with the, the night elf warrior I had to kill.
6: Uh, oh, Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah. I've, yes, I've, yes. Fucking...
3: So if you did get some warriors, I had to wait until they, I think I, I attacked her when she wasn't totally full health because, uh, some of them you could not stun lock all the way to zero. It just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't do it. Uh, so I did have to get some of them because I inspected their gear in Ironforge and then I added up like how much health they would have and, uh, I just, I, I don't remember how I knew it, but I knew that that wouldn't work unless they were just slightly damaged a little bit. So, I, and she was fighting mobs anyways. Hmm.
4: Okay. I, I've, I've got one last one. And then, as I said, Ale, sorry, Ale and, and Mike, if you can think of one last one before we let Mute go. Cause as I said, I, I promised him we wouldn't go too long with this one, but you've talked about, you know, dealing with the guild and, and, and sort of, uh, dealing with the comments, the negative comments that you might get from the videos, but, just in general, how did you feel about being what we would call wow famous? I think
3: that's cool. I mean, I'm not famous in real life, so I mean, that, that
4: worked. <laughs> it works for you?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm cool with it.
4: <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Ale, I'll turn to you first, Mike. I'll give you a few more seconds to think of your last one to wrap it up. Ale, final question for Mute.
5: Yeah, I was just wondering, um, at what did you um, walk away from playing Warcraft, and is there anything, uh, any reasons that you can talk about, like, maybe why you did it from gameplay, or is it more, like, personal reasons?
3: I, uh, yeah, it was more, like, just real-life things. I, I didn't want like, to, like, running the guild and everything, that, that was a huge time investment. And then I think I got burned out after the first, like, Warcraft 1, because it just, it took so much time to find all those people alone, and I was just like, "Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't want to make another video again for the rest of my."
5: So, the so the videos were part of the reason that uh, just the immense amount of work.
3: Yeah, it it took a whole lot of time going to the area, waiting for them to be alone. Some of the people that I I have on the video, I, I had to go to multiple times to the area they were in to find them, and sometimes it took until you know days later until I would find them when they're on and uh I'd have to go to that area in hopes that they would stay there long enough for me to find them alone and and kill
6: them uh, so um I was looking back at it again because I, I had to remember there was a... a f- uh when you were fighting in the Ironforge auction house against the the three war you, you remember this that you were fighting against three warriors at the same time you had like you had like all your like your high warlords blades all your high end gear and you were fighting against three warriors at the same time in the auction house was that like probably like It seemed to me it seemed like the hardest fight that you had in the video. Oh, yeah.
3: And that actually wasn't even my rogue. That was one of my friends that was a higher warlord. He let me use his account.
6: Oh, okay.
3: Those videos. Because, I mean, my rogue had, like, crap gear. He had, like, a crawl blade. So I was like, okay, well, that's not going to (laughs) work.
6: Okay. All right. No, that that makes more sense because, like.
4: Talk us through that fight, Mute. What do you remember of it?
6: I actually don't remember anything about it. Oh. I'd have to watch the video again. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, you you were yeah, you were like you were you were fighting like a dwarf warrior and like full tier one and uh I think yeah, it was like a, yeah, a night elf with like Ashkandi and a whole bunch of blackwing You were like you were fighting like com- three completely geared to the teeth warriors and then you you just popped evasion, I think a bunch of your other cooldowns, you just like just Obliterated them. It, it, I think it took like th- three other people showing up for them to kill you. And I was like, when I saw when I saw it back when I was actually playing classic, like my jaw hit like hit the floor. I'm like, I did. I never even knew someone could kill that like that many geared people like on their own. Dude,
3: that guy's rogue hit hard. Like I don't know what he, what all he had, but he.
6: Oh, he had he like some of the you you you're the rogue. Yeah, the the rogue you're playing it's just, like some of the best gear in the game. I'm, the high the high warlords blades for rogues are. I think near best in slot in the game, so (laughs) you had like it was yeah geared to the teeth. So I mean, it it makes sense. It makes sense now how you were able to as how busted rogues were back then and having some of the best gear in the game. But like when I when I saw that, I was like, oh my god!
3: (laughs) Without him, I couldn't have made that video.
4: Probably without access to that character as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could have filling the parts without any gear on because that didn't take any effort but uh the other ones i like i wasn't gonna go farm high warlord gear for a video
6: like yeah yeah i was about to say i was gonna ask you like if you actually went out and farmed the high warlord gear for the video which i'd say is fucking impressive how hard it is to get high warlord gear but i guess you have your friend to thank for that so
3: yeah yeah that was, that was nice
4: <laughs> all right mute look i might cut it off there and and look If anyone thinks of any more amazing questions for mute later down the track, please send them to me. Um, you know, if there's, if we get enough of them, if, and mute, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but if, if, you know, a few months down the track, we, we have people who want more from you, I might ask you and see how you feel about it. But this was everything I've ever wanted and more. I can't thank you enough for obviously coming on and being as gracious as you've been for, for giving up your, uh, your time late on a Friday night for the show. You know, you, you hadn't even heard of the show and someone contacted you and said, Hey, you should get in touch with this random Australian for his podcast. And you were just up for it. You said, Yep, sure. No problems. And uh, on behalf of, the, the Classic community who have been dying to hear from you, I, I just want to th- say thank you for coming on the show and for your work in general in the past on World of Warcraft. And um we we really sort of uh, re- respect the, the the videos that you've made. We love you and thank you.
3: Thank you again for inviting me. This was is, this is fun.
6: Please come play Classic. Please. <laughs>
3: I will consider it. How about that?
6: Very well, good. Oh, th- that, that's a good enough answer for me. I don't think I can even get my... my regular character name back oh uh, you never know you gotta, that, that, you
4: gotta get in there first if you if you, if you it's, get in there it's first.
6: fine you'll, you'll still be a celebrity in the community right. if, like if mute comes back for classic wow that would be like i could see that being a headline
4: mm, absolutely hey. all right guys look i'll cut it off there and and we'll speak to you later recently on my other podcast the cinephiles we covered 2011's fast five You took issue with the use of nos.
6: Yes, this this was the one glimmer of
2: yay that I had. (laughs) You You know, it took me back. Took me back to my days. In in the the echo, with the, it's the only time I was like, (laughs) (laughs) when he does it, when he hits the third nos button, I'm like, oh, well, now you're just being silly. (laughs)
4: If you'd like to hear more from the Cinephiles, then please do log on to Cinephiles.com. That's S I N E R F I L E S, Or search for the Cinephiles on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. But now, let's get back to Countdown. Okay, it's time for another countdown to classic. Very special call, and we've got the next episode of this Ask Kevin series, which everyone has been really, really happy with, and which once again, I'm obviously very pleased to welcome Kevin Jordan into the mix. How are you, mate?
7: Doing great.
4: How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Thanks so much for obviously taking the time again for the show. And, uh, we're going to get through and yet another class as we do this, uh, long journey through all the classes to, to, um, sort of break them down and figure out what was in your mind as you were building them back in the day. And, uh, for this call, we're going to be covering everything druids. And so I've, uh, enlisted obviously good friend of the show, Taladrill, who knows everything and anything classic druids. Taladrill, how are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for
0: having me for this.
4: My pleasure, mate. Now, um, before we get started, I'm going to remind everyone uh, about a simple request that I've got. So you're listening on your phone, maybe in the car, maybe you're walking the dog, maybe you're doing it anything at home. Try and take a quick look right now at Twitch, stop what you're doing, head on over to Failure Analysis, which is Kevin's channel over there, the link will be in the show notes too, and I want you to hit that follow button, and please do Kevin a solid and check him out over there. Now I promised Kevin at least a million follows out of this, and I'm, don't make me a liar guys, come on, help me out here, so go and follow him over there, and uh, obviously chill out with him, it's a great stream that he does on on a very regular basis there kevin anything else you need to say about the streams uh
7: yeah i was also promised a million cheeseburgers and he you know, hasn't <laughs> has met up with
4: that one i'm so. working on it i'm working on it yeah. there as you know a there are is- some cheeseburgers that's what i work for they're expensive here in australia so it's going to take me a while to work up that money but that's all right we'll <laughs> get there now look guys let's uh let's not beat around the bush let's get into it we're obviously here to talk about a class that I haven't spent a lot of time with myself. It's, it's relatively well known on the show now that druids and paladins are sort of two classes I spent next to no time with. They've never really particularly interested me, but that doesn't mean that I'm the, you know, only person out there that feel, I'm, you know, someone who feels that way, but there's many people who feel the opposite way, who absolutely love druids, even though they are somewhat underrepresented in the player base i think they're one of the few of the least played classes in the game but here we are the jack of all trades master of none kevin i'll open it very generally what was in your mind in terms of that hybrid class when we talk about hybrids and we think about what is a hybrid to me in an mmo what was in your mind when you were building the druid
7: yeah, hybrid's pretty much the, the perfect word for what we were trying to build with Druids. Uh he was intended to be the ultimate hybrid, the the Swiss Army knife of the MMO world, you know, framework that we were working with. They were also very prevalent in Warcraft three as units, and so we were present that fantasy to people. But yeah, the goal was two things. One was to make a great hybrid, and two was to uh, create a shapeshifting class, which were also uh, pretty commonplace in other MMOs for a variety of reasons. And so I felt like that was appealing to a specific type of player that wanted to be able to transform people that enjoy playing Mm. as animals, but also, yeah, just people that wanted an answer to sort of every problem at their disposal and could switch to the thing they needed to be for that particular problem.
4: Did you have any kind of Rough percentages in mind, and this might seem like a silly question, but when we talk about someone who can do a little bit of everything, we're sitting there going, you know, with the guys, look, let's just cap them at kind of like, you know, 70% efficiency in terms of that DPS or that healing or that tanking ability.
7: Yeah, that's uh what became, you know, affectionately known as the hybrid tax, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we set out, you know, I figured 90% was actually a good estimate for how effective he could be at any particular role when performing at his best. And that ended up being a huge mistake because at any point you're, you're trying to perform a specific role, especially as the challenge of the you know game goes up, you can't be even 5% off the pace in a lot of cases before people start looking at you sideways and kicking you out, even though you know, you're friends with the people. So, um, So yeah, 90% was way off the mark. And then even later on, uh, as we tried to dial that into closer to 5%, I even felt that wasn't good enough. So ultimately, I don't think that the true hybrid or the true saying of a jack of all trades, master of none actually works in an MMO setting. What we ended up trying to settle on was that he could transform and be lots of different things, all three of the different roles. But he could only be really good at one of them at a time, but he had to be just as competitive as the others at that thing. Hmm. So, uh, changed the sort of design idea behind the class over time. So that was sort of a rude awakening and a lesson learned, but it, it took us a while to learn it. But, uh, yeah, that was a tough
4: one. A presumption by someone like me in hearing about what went into the building of the class and the kind of testing and tinkering that you guys would have gone through back in the day, sort of pre-alpha, pre-beta, all of that nonsense, is you know exactly trying to get that balance right, as you've just talked about. Now, I would have thought the Druid would have been one of the more difficult classes to get right and sort of may have... Caused you to, um, you know, mess with the numbers a fair bit more than the others. I may be well off because obviously you've got, as you say, all of those roles that you kind of have to adjust and balance to your liking within, you know, a comparison to the other classes and what they can do and not to have the druid necessarily surpass them so that people are thinking, well, why the fuck would I play a rogue or a warrior or whatever when the druid can do their role better than them and do other stuff too? So, Was it really hard to get right when you were testing this class back in the day?
7: Yeah, and and some people may be aware that about the history of the Druid, early on, the intent was for the Druid to be shapeshifting quite a bit in individual combats. You know, you DPS for a bit, then you pop out, throw some heals, and then maybe tank something if you needed to be an off-tank for, you know, a couple minutes. And so that was kind of the original intent that he was shapeshifting quite a bit in the span of just minutes, rather than I shapeshifted this to be this role for the night, and then I shapeshifted you know something else when I go back to you know grinding gold or or leveling or whatever it was. But that's the strategy that once it hit the road didn't actually work. Once you know once the battle was Mm -hmm. engaged, it was like yeah that strategy is not going to work because it sort of left him out of everything as people were trying to do content and they needed the very best in each role. So. Once we transitioned out of that original idea, that original strategy, balancing him actually became easier because we just had to look at each role and, like any other class, make sure that he was more competitive with you know the roles of the other classes that he was competing against. So, but early on it was yeah it was it seemed an impossible task.
4: Once you guys shipped the game, personally, what were you happiest with about druids? What did you love about them through your testing and playing of the class?
7: I love the shape shifting element. I think that was a, that was really fun. I think it it gave people that sense again of the hybrid sense of Swiss army knife. I could, I could be anything. I could do anything. I felt like even though it didn't live up to that at the highest end, I think a lot of people felt when they were leveling or when they were just, you know, doing more casual stuff that wasn't the hardest stuff in the game, that they felt very versatile and very, they could fill any role. So no matter what you know, the party needed essentially, they could try to do it. That was uh making those that specific type of pro player really happy. So I thought we did that pretty well, even though it didn't you know scale well into the end game.
4: Okay. Now as I mentioned we've got Taladrill here and we might start going through the uh different talent trees and Taladrill's cross to bear has really particularly been that notion of feral tanking. So I might start in the feral tree, and I know we can kind of divide the feral tree up into two different aspects, that being one of DPS and one of tanking. So I might sort of start just talking about um the bear form there. Now, Taladrill, feel free to jump in at any point from what Kevin's about to say, but Kevin, when we talk about druid tanks, I know a lot of people are dying to know how far did you intend on taking the Druid tank? Was the intention to never have them go too far as a main option in a raid, or was that just a sort of somewhat of an unfortunate side effect?
7: Uh, yeah, the intention was that Protection Paladins, Protection Warriors, and Feral Druids in bear form be able to tank all of the endgame content essentially equally. It was not; They were not intended to be sort of a niche uh tank for certain fights or anything like that. Yeah, they were intended to be able to be able to do any of the content. We missed the mark, of course, as a lot of people remember. And a great example of how badly we missed the mark was the changes to the armor percentage on dire bear form. If you remember that patch note back in the day. Yep. That was dramatic, right? Like most things you tweak five or ten percent and it's like, nope, that one was so far off <laughs> that uh yeah, we had to massively increase it. So that was a big change. <laughs> yeah, it was a huge change. It also helped, um, create a, a specific type of tanking that the druid was going to be. Cause that was another core, you know, idea we had was to make sure they all tank differently. It's why the paladin didn't get his style of taunt until much later. We ended up wanting to develop them in a different way than the warrior. So entire, you know, bear form and the change to that really helped, you know, push us down that path of making him a different type of tank, but still a viable tank. But yeah, it took a while
0: to identify those mistakes and correct them. Mm.
4: Taladrill, any questions from you on that?
0: I mean, I think you did, did a better job than you thought, probably. I think people have realized that a little bit more these days okay. because it was later in the patch, you know, obviously with the talent revamp that we were able to finally look at this stuff fresh. Right. And right. in vanilla, it was sort of too late. To a certain extent, especially from a tanking role, because it was so core to how guilds functioned. Um, yeah. so it's nice to see actually that, you know, the itemization, whether it was a lucky thing or not, druids don't have a lot missing or, or gaps or anything like that. So they really do a good job. Like warriors are still going to be the best, obviously, but, mm-hmm. but druids, druid, they've got a, they've got real roles to play, which is nice. One, one thing I'd like to ask you about it. Did you guys realize in how you set them up that druids were going to have such a potent capability of outputting threat like they do?
7: It wasn't the intent uh, that they'd be so much further apart than the other classes, but you know, threat is such a critical component, right? Threat
1: mitigation
7: and defense essentially, which is part of mitigation, but uh, there's a few types, but, um, Threat is such a huge thing that for us to say the druids or paladins or warriors were better than the others, that was not a metric that we could say he's the specialist at this without sort of breaking, you know, the, the roles apart too much. So no, it, it wasn't something we intended. And anytime there were, you know, huge disparities, that was an oversight. And that was, yeah, something we didn't predict because we would have
0: fixed it had we predicted it. Right. So that's interesting. So speaking along the lines of fixing it. So one of the things that we've discovered recently and the strength of it is there's a, a weapon specifically that drops a gone called the manual crowd pummeler. Don't know if you remember it because it's, no, it's this throw throwaway blue. Um, okay. But what it has is it's got three charges. And those charges allow increase in attack speed of fifty percent for thirty seconds, and so you can pop them all at once. And so effectively, Mm -hmm. and it's also not a unique item, so okay, um, so you can farm them quickly. You can get them. You can get one in less than five minutes if you go there at level sixty. So you can get as many as you want. It just depends on dungeon lockout time. So you can have effectively, you know, a minute and a half of increased attack speed, and that does affect cat and bear form and so right. so you can actually have very fast attack speeds with those if you were to see that in vanilla would you guys have considered that an exploit of some sort or something that would need to have been adjusted or would you have said well that's that's druids doing weird stuff again so let them do their thing
7: yeah it would have all depend on context i would ne- definitely not say it was an exploit you know that the vanilla itemization was very Double edged sword, right? Like we created a massive number of, you know, handcrafted unique items with all kinds of crazy stuff on them. And we knew that it was going to bite us in the butt occasionally, but that was okay. We were willing to take those risks in order to create a really interesting, compelling itemization system. But once, you know, people found things that were going to be problematic long term, then we had to step in and adjust. So depending on how the druid was doing, and if we could identify that because of this item, it meant that warriors weren't going to be desirable in tanks anymore. It was only Druids. Then we would have had to step in. Right. Because again, the yeah. intent is make sure all the tanks are welcome and can do the job. So, um, but yeah, that, that evaluation would have had to take in place to see, well, how bad is this? Is it helping the Druids catch up? Is it helping the Druids, you know, find their place in, in tanking next to warriors or is it replacing them? Or is it still not good enough to you know get the druids where they need to be? So, yeah, the, the context would would have been really important there.
0: Yeah, thankfully that item has allowed druids uh, in in our modern knowledge to come close to warriors. So it hasn't made them overpowered, but it has made them competitive both from a DPS and tanking standpoint. So that's been a really big boost for our capability, which is nice.
7: Yeah, that sounds good. It, it sounds it sounds non ideal because it. It all sort of keys around this one item, unfortunately. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's but, weird. <laughs> you know, you'd hope you'd be get there without that. But yeah, it's, it's nice that it does bring them up. So for people playing private servers or, you know, we'll see how, what impact it has in classic. But yeah, you know, like you were saying, the, the quality of bear tanks on, you know, servers nowadays as, as people have really explored the entire space of the game and all the things that are available. You know, back in the day, people weren't doing that, hadn't had the time to do it. We were all sort of fresh and we were like just figuring things out as we went and people gravitated to the warrior because it was the, probably the most accessible sort of tank, you know, ready-made tank that was performing well and that, you know, then a stigma is created. And, and so, you know, perception versus math, you know, comes into, into play and there's just so many things. So it's nice to see that the druids weren't as far back. As, you know, we originally thought, but um, over time, yeah, we yeah, had intent. And again, the idea was that they all be pretty equivalent.
4: Mm. Now, as, as obviously Taladrill mentioned, I'm, I'm glad he went into the manual crowd pummel, obviously equally as applicable to the cat druid. You know, we're talking about pumping out that DPS as well. Um, just in general, Kevin, once, once a druid flips over to cat form, were you guys pretty happy with where they were at? in that form and where it perhaps placed them on the DPS charts through that in-game content?
7: I remember them being pretty stable in terms of, like, their performance wasn't as gear-dependent. Uh, it still was, but not as much so as, say, like, in, you know, obviously Warriors would be the outlier in this case, but mm. uh, Rogues also, you know, outscaled them and things like that. So they had a, they had a higher starting point, but they had a, a lower scaling point, you know, an end game point. So from what I remember. So again, not ideal for anyone who wants to be a druid and, and keep graduating to mm-hmm. the top tier rating mm-hmm. scene. So, and that was something we had to fix. It was actually something we had to fix on a lot of characters because we found, you know, things that didn't scale eventually were just removed from the hotbar across the board. So in order to keep each abilities and each sort of each class's rotations healthy, We had to put in scaling elements on a lot of things to keep them competitive. And then some classes had more of those than others.
4: Just to round out on the feral tree, Taladryl, I'll I'll turn to you. Are there any talents that you can think of that you always felt were perhaps a little bit lacking in the feral tree as something that you personally sort of would have tweaked that you wonder if the guys at Blizzard had ever considered?
0: I think, honestly, like... Obviously, the stuff that was added in TBC was, was really good to really help strengthen the ferals and make it, well, not, not just the ferals, but all of the trees, you know. I guess really the one thing that we are missing in the vanilla that would have been really nice in the TBC version was I think uh, it had some kind of talent, which was reducing crit chance incoming for tanking because that's the big stickler that everybody really yeah. gives druids a hard time about is, is that. So. That would have been nice to have in vanilla, but at least they get it in TBC. And even in vanilla, I don't think it's really that big of a deal with with the armor capability that they have.
4: Okay. Kevin, I might turn over to balance now. Now this is one that's well, oh, oh, sorry, I, sorry. I've
0: gotta ask I gotta ask before we do because we didn't really talk about cat stuff.
4: <laughs> go no, go for it, mate. Go for it.
0: Um Another item that was very integral in vanilla, and I think also in TBC for, for cats specifically, was the wolf's head helm. Hmm. So that changed the entire rotation for how druid cats functioned. Uh, do you know about right. this item too, Kevin, or, or no? Uh,
7: it sounds familiar, but I don't remember the details now.
0: So the way it worked was you have the Furrer talent, which increased, uh, which gave cat 40 energy when you shapeshift into it. And then the right. wolf's head helm also gave 20 energy uh, when you shapeshift into cat. So you combine those two, and every time you shapeshift into cat, you would instantly gain 60 energy. Right. Um, so with that, the idea is what cats do these days is they do power shifting. So effectively what that means is they will be in cat... They'll shift out of Cat and then back into Cat to gain an instant spike in energy to be able to cast more spells to do that to increase their damage. It's quite intensive and it requires a lot of skill and extra consumables to use, but people are quite effective at doing that. I think they finally nerfed this in Wrath, maybe. But again, is there any thought that you'd have for like the functionality for how cats would be utilizing that kind of play style in Vanilla? Yeah,
7: I'm torn on this one because I love emergent stuff like this, where you find a new item and it does significantly change your playstyle or you know your rotations and things like that to get extra power. But the danger with this one would have been how fun it is, right? Like it's, it's intensive. Really fun, fun is maybe the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, like it's not really that fun, and it's certainly not thematic to pop out a cat form and back in to leverage you know this kind of bonus for an additional advantage. So. You know, from a design perspective, it's like, yeah, that sounds like busy work. And it sounds like it's changing the rotation again in a sort of unthematic, not very fun way. So that's the danger with these things. So again, it's like, I love that there was some emergent stuff um, that popped out and people were doing different things to be competitive and get their DPS up. But yeah, in this particular case, I'm not real happy with Interesting that emerged.
0: So if it were to have occurred in vanilla and you were to have seen a big spike in that, like, to do it sort of makes druids actually semi-competitive. So right. there would have been a huge backlash. It's like you're, you're finally, you're gimping the one way that makes us actually capable. Like, what, what would you have done, do you think, to maybe adjust that or whatever? Because just cutting our legs out from under us would have been right. really sucky.
7: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And the approach I always took with cases like this was, um, you know, nerf the offending item, but then replace what, players were getting out of it in some other area. So basically an energy spike is essentially what they're going for. So find a talent or an ability where I could put that mechanic in there uh, without having to change forms, use this item, pop out, you know, that kind of thing. So replace their competitiveness and also some of the, the bright side of, you know, the emergent play, which was that energy spike. Cause I think people probably did some really fun things with that sudden boost of energy. So yeah, um, definitely. That sounds like a fun mechanic to embrace and put back in. So, And I don't remember specifically if we put in any energy spiking stuff in any of the TBC.
0: Well, uh, the rogues have a, like adrenaline rush that gives them ability, yeah. like a short-term energy spike. But obviously that's just more of a cooldown down base, but not something that's right. consistent, like you know? That, yeah. Yeah, exactly. To would have to try to done a proc off something. That, that would more. be cool. There's rage ones, but not energy ones. So, yeah, that would have been pretty neat.
7: right so that would have been my my goal to fix that or address that yeah interesting
4: fair enough all right guys let's thanks so much for jumping in there Taladrill. i did feel like i was leaving cats a little bit undercooked then but um obviously that's why we've got you here so i'm so glad you've got my back there now let's quickly round off on uh Balance druids kevin now i feel like this one might be you know something that a lot of people prick their ears up at because Balance druid is often you know invoked right along with red paladin as you know the spec that got away if you will it's it's something that is right. generally viewed in classic or vanilla wow as something that you probably want to steer clear of now Some people have gone into bat for these specs over the years and said, no, 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 perhaps there's a little bit more to it than meets the eye. These aren't necessarily meme specs. Perhaps if you, you know, do this, do that, use this item, use this buff, you can make the most of it. But in terms of balanced druids, did you guys feel the same over at Blizzard when designing it? That like, yikes, we've kind of left some stuff out here. This is not performing like we'd hoped.
7: Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, even the form itself, I was always kind of like, uh, "Yeah, like <laughs> it, it works, but it's tough to make." It was tough to come up with a, a really interesting shapeshift
0: form that was a caster without getting really strange, you know. Hmm. What was the What was the point of having the caster form have such high armor, just like bear form? It never made much sense to me.
7: Uh, probably mostly thematic like in terms of this looks like a thing that it's very much like a bear so it should have some attributes of a bear Mm. we did that on occasion so even even if um it didn't make perfect mechanical sense it uh you know it was serving a thematic it also had a a role in like pvp and things like that so
0: yeah yeah we make it useful in pvp yeah really the biggest thing i think that was missing for Moonkins was all of the other uh, casters had talents to increase their spell hit, which is huge, especially given itemization. So right. that really hurt them badly. That was probably, you know, if there's one thing to, that they would need to give them a huge buff, it's probably that because that just right. cuts, their, cuts their itemization options big time. So yeah. Okay, yeah,
4: for sure. Now, Kevin, in terms of the tinkering with the balance spec as you guys went along, you know, obviously, Tal'Drill, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the Moonkin form wasn't brought in until a little bit later on in vanilla, isn't that right? Yeah, that was the talent revamp. Right. So before that talent revamp, Kevin, what were the thoughts in terms of, like, again, you talked about the drastic armor change that you brought in for Ferals. Were there any drastic changes considered outside of simply just this Moonkin form for this spec to try and get them back up to snuff?
7: Early Umkin relied too heavily on, um, gosh, what's, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the, the instant cast dot essentially. Moonfire? Yeah. Relied on that too heavily in a lot of situations in terms of like short combat. So we wanted to, we wanted to make him more than just a Moonfire spammer. Uh, so we worked more on his rotation and yeah, there were just a lot of problems to fix with the Druid, with the Boomkin form. And, but unfortunately at the end of the day, we, we missed some s- still pretty critical ones in terms of like mana, you know, mana expenditure and being, becoming a Boomkin. So
0: one thing that got fixed, I think in TBC, which is a small issue, but is, um, insect swarm is on the restoration tree. In vanilla, and it, I think it got moved to the balance tree. So that was sort of like a, um, a utility spell that could actually be cast by the Moonkin in TBC, but can't be cast by the Moonkin because it's a restoration spell. So that kind of stuff, too, that really hurts them, too, where it's like, you know, all they can give the party is a crit buff, and that's not even that great when you do the math on it. So right, right. it's like, why, why bother bringing them? <laughs> yeah, we did that with a few
7: classes as well. And some of them needed them earlier than others. Like some, some of the classes that needed desirability and raids were performing fine up until a point, but then got scaled out by other classes. So we had to move, you know, boost their sort of desirability buffs, but,
0: and the druid had good buffs, but you could get them from resto, right? So yeah. Yeah. The, the, the standard bus thorns and mark of the wild are fantastic, but yeah, resto can easily cast them. Right. So you just end up taking a resto druid. So we had to
7: give specific mm-hmm. ones to the, the other classes. Uh, insect swarm didn't belong in resto ultimately. So Yeah, it doesn't make much sense
0: in that one. <laughs> yeah.
7: All
4: right, guys, we'll finish up with Resto and and it might not take very much time to cover this one, but um one question I've always had regarding this one for you, Kevin, is I'm a bit surprised because I for some reason I had a friend that played Resto and rated a lot back in the vanilla days and you know, obviously because he, he spent so much time with it he swore by it he's like oh my resto druids we're so powerful we're awesome man and obviously through my work on the show i've come to realize that not necessarily the case people generally seem to say that they are arguably the weakest healer in the game did you guys sense a i mean again we talk about hybrid taxes and all that jazz and it's perhaps supposed mm-hmm. to be that way but were you guys happy with where resto was at in raids is that exactly where it was supposed to be
7: it's hard for me to say that anyone was exactly where they were supposed to be at any time for any class. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's just due to the fact that it's always revolving, you know, every, it, it's just an ongoing process balance, you know, over time. So, uh but what I liked thematically was that he was finding, the rest of Druid was finding a place as, you know, the, the master of healing over time rather than the other styles. Like the, the paladin had, you know, flash of light spam essentially and the priest had the best like big heals and from previous games like EverQuest where efficiency was king when it came to healing cuz some of the fights were so long that i think people gravitated towards the paladin the holy paladin early on thinking well that was it was going to be the same way and so it took some time to adjust that perception but uh what I, so i liked him thematically i liked that he was carving out a niche you know for himself in terms of what kinds of healing he was doing but yeah the numbers The numbers, it was one, you know, depending on the moment, depending on the patch and what we had recently done were probably, you know, not ideal.
4: You've used that term a few times now of, you know, thematic and you guys obviously finding stuff that you felt – you know perhaps when you thought of that class fantasy things that fit within that theme and and that's obviously what helped inspire some of these designs now i'd be remiss not to raise as um all my cats and dogs go nuts in the background i'd be remiss not to raise this particular question being brought up by listener Kef Tank, who's been on the show before and it's a bit of an angry nerd question but uh, i'll ask it with all the love and He's affection angry, yes. he is angry <laughs> i'll ask it with all the yeah, love and affection his, promise, sir. yeah so when he says something like it seems to be the the case that the theme was more important in design than the actual utility is that is there a somewhat bit of truth to that
7: uh yeah i'm probably giving the wrong impression because i didn't do everything when it came to classes i worked on the thematic i worked on the gameplay i worked on you know finding the niche and the identity and that kind of stuff and then i handed it over to a technical designer to make the math work right so that's the stuff i focused on Hmm. but When I handed it over, what I expected and what we all expected was that the math would support these ideas because I would lay the groundwork and I would say, hey, this class needs, this healing class needs to be one that survives on hots, essentially, and is desirable because of healing over time spells. So um, that's what's going to make him different. That's what's going to have him have an identity. And that's going to make him desirable and competitive in, in various encounters. So. You know, and sometimes the thematic let us down, like an example of the original Druid shapeshifting all the time thing, and sometimes the math let us down. So I created a thematic, and that was my my focus. And then, you know, another technical designer who was great, but also, you know, just like I did, make mistakes and didn't always reach that potential, right? So okay. when I stress the thematic side of things, yeah, you know, don't feel like I didn't care about the numbers. It just wasn't my primary role. So,
4: okay. Let me ask two final questions for you, Kevin. Now, firstly, as I asked in the other calls, can you? The, the answer might be no, but can you recall any talents or abilities that you sort of were tinkering with or thinking about? Things you might have written on a barroom napkin at one o'clock in the morning at uh, out there at Irvine one night that hit the cutting room floor for Druids or, you know, it, it all pretty much got there in the end?
7: Yeah, a lot of it got there in the end. One that I couldn't wait to get in was um, the, uh, the giant AE from Warcraft 3 shards, star shards.
4: Star shards? Like the Night Elf Phrase had?
7: No, no, it star, was... was Starfire? Or Hurricane? Hurricane's the yeah. AoE. No, not Hurricane. It was basically the, the druid ability. Sorry, the Moon Priest had it in Warcraft 3, but we wanted to make it a uh, druid ability. That just leveled bases essentially in Warcraft Three. That was one that didn't get in but Mm -hmm. I wanted to get in as fast as possible. But
4: Starfall is that in
7: Starfall? Yes. Yes.
4: Okay. Thanks, Jin Holly. Next up from that, I'd ask sort of I'll I'll ask one question, then I'll let Taladrill obviously ask you any final question that he might have. But um, you know, I've asked again this in the other ones. Let's hypothesize that it's uh, the night before release. Yoria uh, you've broken into the office or you know you've gotten into the office at uh the last hour you and I know you've said you've been reluctant to say you would change anything because the game turned out so great but just if you if you had to change something if you could change something with druids going back just before the release of vanilla what would it be if anything
7: yeah the hybrid tax would be the thing i fixed
4: so um, would you up it
7: yeah absolutely i I'd, I'd just judge each role you know on its own and make sure that it could perform and
0: compete with the others. Fair enough. So, um, well, with that, so that would be interesting because the druids very strong. And, you know, you've talked about how druids play where it's like they want to shift multiple times depending on the encounter, all within the same thing. You see that a lot in PvP. And I would think there might be a real danger. And it seems like uh, often vanilla was so well balanced, maybe more from a five man and a PVP perspective rather than a rating perspective. I, I would think you probably would have run into issues where the, the balance of the Druid would have been too strong if you had each spec individually so good, you know?
7: Right. Yeah. And again, like when I say I would try to balance things better, it's, it's, it's a holistic approach. It's, you know, because we had these problems all along, especially between PvE and PvP environments. The goal was always to find places where he was struggling and introduce mechanics that fixed him only in that environment, and not have it spill over into other environments. So, and there were always places to do that. So you know, like the difference between burst and, and long-term DPS, right? Burst is way more important for PvP, and you know, and long-term DPS way more important for rating. So. Yeah, when I say trying to balance that, it, it, uh, it would be in, you know, that holistic sense. It's a big job and it has to be looked at from a lot of, you know, different angles to make sure that, you know, you're not upsetting the balance on every other part of the game by mm-hmm. fixing them in one place
4: guys we might round out there if that's okay kevin thanks so much again we've got another class to record now so we'll get to that taladril i can't thank you enough mate thanks so much for picking up the heavy lifting on that one i was out of my out of my comfort zone with the druids and you did so well
0: yeah it was great thank you
4: thank you so much again kevin we'll see you next time
0: yeah, yeah. my
7: pleasure
4: hey everyone Are you keen to jump into Classic and already be a part of a friendly guild? Then the Countdown to Classic guild wants you for WoW Classic. The Countdown to Classic guild is getting the ball rolling on roster plans and we want to hear from you. If you listen to the show and like the sound of the guests that you've heard or if you frequent the Discord and love chatting with the people there then please consider playing Classic with them in a guild aptly named Countdown to Classic. This serious but not hardcore Fun, but not necessarily casual, guilds will tackle all content with a fun and mature perspective, and is looking for members and potential officers. Whether you're Horde or Alliance, we've got you covered, as we'll be rolling both factions. And also, while the main guild will be run by listeners on a North American server, we're looking to start up chapters of the guild all over the world. So whether you're North American, European, or over on the Oceanic servers that we hope are coming, then we should get the numbers to have you covered so join the countdown to classic discord today for future details on the guilds but for now let's get back to the show all right it's time for another countdown to classic call and it's a call that's once again containing some world of warcraft classic news that waterfall that uh, cavalcade that onslaught of news that we thought that we hoped was coming i i went wild out on a limb a couple of weeks ago on the show and said i think we're going to start to get a lot of news and again i'm not nostradamus or anything that was based in the fact that time was simply running out but it's nice that it's really happening and i've got two callers on the line that have answered the bat signal to talk about this amazing news regarding loot trading and the update that we got on that. As always, you heard him on the show recently. Viv, welcome back, brother.
1: Why? Thank you. Glad to be here. Some really good news.
4: Some amazing news. And it wouldn't be a countdown to classic call if we didn't get a first timer on here. Thanks so much for uh, jumping into the deep end. Uh, Bissy, how are
8: you? Doing great. Doing great, guys.
4: Now, I just want to say, let's get this straight sort of out of the way. This is obviously what I think is amazing news. And I don't think I came across a single person... Do you guys tell me if you did? I'd be interested to know. I don't think I came across a single person in the forums, on Reddit, or anywhere... Over the last sort of five months since BlizzCon... Who actually came out and said... You know what? This loot trading thing that Blizzard's talking about for Classic is great! Like giving it the big Tony the Tiger seal of approval... I think we are absolutely unanimously behind this uh, sort of reversion, if you will, that... Well, it's not... They didn't fully backflip on it, so let's sort of, you know, throw that in there. It's still going to be there, but they gave us what we were hoping for in that they limited it to uh dungeons that have a raid lockout attached to it, so raids. Viv, I'll start with you. Tell me how you felt when you read this news.
1: Well, my immediate feeling was... Oh, my God.
4: Because <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> believe
1: it. Because, it's like, how do you possibly expect them to do that? Because my thought, you know, I was thinking ever since they said it at BlizzCon that uh pretty much they would never go back on that of all things that they could go back on simply because it affects the amount of money they're actually going to make. So, you know, like in all recent years, it's been like a corporate blizzard uh having uh you know the responsibility to please their investors versus the the love of the fans you know like fan service type thing you know doing what the fans want hmm. so i was amazed hmm. i was like man this classic wild team they must have more freedom flying under the radar or something through all the red tape cuz <laughs> <laughs> cuz they're just they keep doing things based on our feedback
4: Yeah, it definitely feels that way. Um, Now, you raise a really good point straight away because I've been on the record multiple times saying, look, as much as I'd love loot trading to go away, as much as we'd all love loot trading to go away, I really was convinced that this was in for the long haul. I didn't think this was something that was open for discussion or that they could have backflipped on. And my reasoning behind that, I don't think many people questioned my reasoning in that we really got it hammered home to us that hey, cost cutting, cost cutting. This is Blizzard 2019 and moving forward. We are all about, you know, tightening the belt. And, um, you know, not getting as involved in customer service or having GMs getting involved in WoW Classic or, you know, perhaps even other games as players might hope. So I went, well, okay, I guess loot trading's in because they're, you know, pretty much telling us that that falls in line with the bottom line and trying to improve that bottom line. But here we are with them saying... You know all that stuff that we told you at BlizzCon, how, you know, we don't have the time to be getting our GMs to you and it costs money to have these people addressing your issues of what, you know, the shit that goes down in five man dungeons. Well, forget all that. We'll actually, you know, we'll, we'll have it as it was because to qualify it as, um, well, we'll give you loot trading in raids, but not in five man's. Well, that was the whole thing. Anyway, the, whatever issues come up are going to come up in five man. So Bissy, I'll turn to you and just sort of get your opinion on whether you were surprised that we got this news. And also if you think, uh, what do you think the effect on classic is going to be?
8: I was completely surprised. I honestly thought, like you said, what they say goes like, there was no change. What we had, that was it. And then now when they're like, hey, we're going to be switching everything, all these blue posts. It's just like it makes you wonder, like, is it the forums they're watching? Is it different chats they're watching? Like, I'm hoping that they are listening. And then when they came up with this and they're saying, hey, this is now the new thing. We're going to let you do trading and raids. And then when it comes to five mans, hey, all right, we're going to go back to the old ways. And I've been reading and some people are actually saying they were preparing to actually Get ready to take some gear from people doing a four-man group, and that fifth man out, odd out, out, they were just going to nab the item from them. Like I was reading, people were just getting ready to be toxic.
4: Hmm. And that was the main concern from the community for sure. This, and look, that there was divided opinions on this one on how far the classic community would go to abuse this because we sit here and we all say the classic community is amazing we're all such great people we're angels we don't abuse systems we don't ninja you know you know on the whole blah 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 and then there were people going yet we're all sitting here talking about how loot trading is horrible because all this collusion is going to happen so which is it pick one viv As Bissy has said, you know, he, he seems to, he seems to have seen people possibly talking about the collusion already. Um, we won't go into it too much because it's not going to be there, but do you think that the decision, um, is obviously a good thing because it gets rid of that possibility of the collusion? And did you think we were going to see much of it anyway?
1: Um, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the thing, the fact of the matter is, uh, as I've always said and will continue to say in the Discord and maybe we'll be in an anger management that I submitted one of these days soon. Um, <laughs> it's all about the design of the game that influences what people do, not, not just people aren't just naturally going to be terrible people or good people outside of the context of the game. Like it's all about the game and the way it's designed, how people are going to act. Like people have been the same for centuries. So <laughs> mm. it's it's just the environments that they're in that change. So. Mm. As far as this, like if the, if the system was there for them to abuse, they would. Hmm. That's the reason the classic community is really that good is because that's how the game's designed. It's designed to make people work together.
4: Hmm. Bissy, I'll turn back to you and just say this. So we are being told that obviously loot trading still very much going to be there, but just in raids. So I'm presuming that again we're going to get some kind of universal applause to this change in that i don't think anyone really has an issue with loot trading in raids only because we get the examples of ah, oh, what if a master loot goes wrong when you're running a raid with your guild that's the perfect opportunity to just be able to do the loot trade and nobody gets hurt um Are you fine with it still being in the game in that aspect, or would you rather still have it taken out altogether?
8: Um, In all honesty, I kind of think having it out would be better, in my opinion, just because there are going to be raids that are not solely just guilds. It's going to be pugs. So Mm. you're going to get groups where someone that is a master looter will be like, hey, let's uh, work in cohorts and say, all right, you rolled five people roll for an item. That one person got it. And then they trade it to him and then, oh, actually we want our, our buddy to get it and they trade that item to our buddy instead. Like there could be behind the scene things that we're not seeing if it is a pug. Like you really have to believe when you're in a guild that your guild's doing it the honor away, like the right way. But in a pug, it's a lot harder to do it that way.
4: Hmm. Viv, are you on board with that? Are you? Kind of still wishing they weren't doing it at all or you totally, is your soul at peace with the fact that it's there in raids and you actually quietly think it's a good thing?
1: Well, I've always been (laughs) like a gameplay purist, not like a a complete purist, but a gameplay purist. So like anything that actually affects gameplay, I'm kind of still wishing wasn't in the game at all. Mm -hmm. But, uh, as long as it's restricted to only pre-made guild groups, I think it would be the best. Like if it was restricted to like master loot in a raid, it would be better than what they've even said now. Um, cause you, people still pug raids, <laughs> especially like later on in vanilla, people pug like MC like all the dang time. Mm-hmm. So the, the issue could still crop up in that situation. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, technically you're in a raid, but is anyone, nobody knows each other. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, just a bunch of random people. Mm-hmm. So. That could still be a problem in that regard. But other than that, I think it's easily a huge step in the right direction. And I'm still excited about the news we got today.
4: Yeah, for sure. Busy, just to round it out, obviously you brought up the point of pugging raids. Viv has elaborated on that a little bit. Um, definitely later on in classic, you know, people will be pugging MC, uh, with the release of, um, ZG as well. I'm sure a few pugs will run through there or many a pug will run through there. What do you think knowing that You know, loot trading will be in there. Um, what do you think is going to come of that in terms of perhaps, you know, the community policing itself and it will all be fine because if someone does want to sort of try and fuck over a pug, you do the old, Hey, trade me that item or equip it or do something with it. And then, you know, you know, the community self regulates. If you see someone dick you over, is that, are you not fussed because? Um, that's the kind of justice that you're sure will happen anyway, and people won't abuse it. Or do you think that it might still get abused a little bit in those, you know, um, let's say, for instance, a, a ZG pug?
8: I'm hoping it goes <laughs> better than worse. Actually, like, so hypothetically, you're in a ZG and the tiger mount drops. Everybody rolls, and I roll a 99 out of 100. And then all of a sudden I start getting whispers, Hey, trade it trade to me, that- trade, trade it, trade yeah. it. <laughs> I'll give you three, 4,000 gold. I'll be like, well, Hey, I could use the gold. All right. I'm going to wait and not use this item until I'm out of the instance. And Hey, hey give me that 3000 gold. Here's your new mount.
4: Hmm. It's uh look, I think it opens up some interesting doors. If my opinion is I'm the person who's completely at peace with it now, given this extra bit of news, um, I think it will solve some problems. It might raise a few, but I think it solves more than it sort of brings. It it solves more problems than the problems that it brings to the table. So I'm sort of down for it. Um, It's great news. Viv, we'll just round out on this point. We've talked about how... It seems that, you know, they're listening to us again. We keep saying they're listening to us and it's funny how here we were a week ago and I was on the show going, well, they seem to be open to, to changing things that they've said. Maybe loot trading is next. And then ta-da, here we are flipping the table on loot trading. What do you think this means for other decisions they've told us are coming that aren't as popular, such as sharding?
1: Oh man. Uh, <laughs> that's another one that. You know, I guess you can never say never with this, this team because when you said maybe loot trading will change, I was like, nah, that's not going to happen, mm. but then it did. So I don't know. I was, I'm equally as, uh, in the same boat thinking, you know, like there's no way they'll change the sharding idea, but maybe they will. Who knows? I've always been in favor of just embracing the queue times like, like there were back in the day and maybe. Mm taking extra care for population balance. Hmm. But I don't know. I guess just I would like to know how are they going to go about, because I was just thinking of what I just said a bit ago, like about the uh, master looter thing. Like if it's master looter, it might be better. But then I was thinking, well, pug raids still use master looter a lot of times, like whoever leads it. So it almost would need to be like some kind of ensuring it's like mostly a guild run or something. I don't know. But then, like, you still might have certain pugs in a guild run, you know, like half half pug, half guild. Like, how do you even solve that problem? So, Hmm. I don't know. It could could still lead to problems, but I don't know. I don't know if there's a better solution than what they've reneged on already.
4: Bissy, I'm not sure what your crystal ball is showing, but tell me what your prediction would be. Do you think that, you know, we all said that loot, will not we all, I and some people said... Seems like loot trading is a done deal. Then they changed their mind. Do you think sharding is a done deal or do you think we could still see some news maybe backflipping on that given that they've seen our reaction absolutely losing our minds over it?
8: I honestly think that they are going to flip flop a little bit with sharding. Like I know they were saying like opener, like when the realms are first starting and everyone's zoning in, it's just going to be just cutthroat. There's going to be people everywhere. I'm on the bar. Like on the edge about that. Like, yes, I see what is happening, but I kinda like the point where there's hundreds and hundreds of people trying to tag that one mob. But at the same time, I want to get level sixty as fast as possible. I hope that they if they are sharding, it's just that in the beginning, and it's not like when the AQ gates are opening. That event there is actually meant to be hundreds of people in Silithus ready ready to go and fight. Like I don't want it to be sharding.
1: I couldn't agree more with that and actually I'm also really hoping I know a lot of people say they want it in AQ event for whatever reason, like so that servers don't crash and they actually get to experience the event or whatever. But I don't know, maybe they just uh invest in more server stability somehow during that event when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Try to do it the old way because I think it's better.
4: All right, guys, look, we'll wrap it up there. I didn't want to spend too long on this topic. It's, you know, it's a relatively short, sharp post. We don't need to break it down for hours at a time. You know, some people would say that 15 minutes is too much already. But long story short, amazing news. The community, it seems, could not be more stoked. Thank you very much, Blizzard, for changing your position on this to a certain extent. And we'll see what comes with the other stuff that we've got to tackle. So... Uh, guys, look, I can't thank you enough. Viv, thanks so much again, mate. You're always so reliable to come on the show when uh, we need an opinion. Thanks again.
1: No problem, man.
4: And Bissy, uh, I hope it wasn't too bad for your first time. You did great. Thanks so much, mate
8: yeah i appreciate
4: that you were very gentle to me <laughs> i try to be a uh, a gentle lover on the podcast so i'm glad that it's that, it's that new mustache that's what it is it is it's, yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's rico suave
4: this horrible porn <laughs> stash this horrible porn stash that i'm rocking on stream thank you yes all right guys we'll talk to you later thanks bye See you. hi everyone josh here I just want to take a quick moment to remind you that while Countdown to Classic will always be a podcast you can get for free, if you do happen to really enjoy the show and find yourself always coming back for more, then please do check out the show's Patreon page to see how you can help keep the lights on at Countdown to Classic and even vote on show content as the show continues to bring you more and more Classic WoW goodness. Alternatively, if monthly subscriptions aren't your thing, you can always visit the show's tip jar over at Ko-Fi with that link being in the show notes and on the website too. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, it's time for another Countdown to Classic Call, and again, more news. News, It's raining news. It's not raining men. It's raining news about World of Warcraft Classic, (laughs) and we couldn't be happier about that. And I want to welcome back two returnees. Jamie, it's been too long. How are you?
9: I'm good. Happy to be back on the show.
4: So good to have you again. And it wouldn't be a Countdown to Classic Call unless we had a little bit more of an Australian flavor. Zane Zabar, welcome back, mate. (laughs)
10: Good to
4: be here. Good to have you, mate. Now, you two are here to talk about the little tidbit of information that we got in the World of Warcraft question and answer session with Ian Hasta, uh, us. Ian Hasakostas, and, uh, Josh, uh, Allen. The, is it Josh Allen? Uh, Law, either way, uh, the other day. Um, and they at the, I think it was at the end of the session, they very, very quickly touched on a classic question. And they mentioned, hey, by the way, guys, RP servers are going to be thing in Classic. Unfortunately, no RP PvP servers in Classic, at least at the start, will assess things as we go along. Now, this might seem like a very innocuous piece of information to the vast majority of people playing World of Warcraft Classic. It's a relatively niche community that does the role-playing thing. Um... You know, but it's obviously still a quite decent percentage of players. You know, I think that there are polls out there that have shown that about 9% of people, and again, I know polls are hard to gauge, but there was a poll on the Reddit a long time ago that got about 20,000 votes and about nine eight nine percent of people said they planned on playing on an rp pvp server so there was a lot of backlash to this news and a lot of devastation from the rp uh, community and zane tabar you're here because you're very much so part of that rp community you've been on the show talking about rp before tell me how you felt when you saw this news
10: Uh, a little bit disappointed but i'm not i'm not incredibly surprised um just because like you said, it is a bit of a niche. Um, a niche. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Uh, but Ian Hazakosta has said the same thing, that they're definitely planning on having RP, and I don't think they would have ever uh, even considered launching the game without some form of RP. But he said RP PvP is a bit too much of a niche. I don't think I necessarily agree with that, um, but it is definitely not as prevalent as playing PvE or normal PvP. Mm.
4: Now, it's funny because I don't really know what the split would be but you know i guess when people think of rp servers they generally think if you're not involved in the community you might just default to this answer you'd probably think oh i mean i know i would say this oh rp players probably prefer pve over pvp however the backlash to this news you know some of the comments are saying that no, no, no. PvP is where a lot of the fun of RP comes from. You know, you get to engage your enemy on the battlefield and sort of, you know, have a bit of fun with the the creativity, uh, the, the creative side behind that. So, Jamie, I'll ask you, tell me what your knowledge is of, you know, where people's allegiances lies lie if they're an RPer in terms of PvE versus PvP and also what your take on the news was.
9: Um, I guess it just depends who you ask then, because I think we had some people in the discord saying and on the forums and stuff that when you think of RP on WoW, that it really should be PvP because it's a it's an MMO. So there are just naturally other people in the game that, you know, you don't just role play with them. You also play against them, especially since it's divided into factions. So um, I think it like to me, it just makes more sense to like fight against the people that you're seeing in the game, like whether they're a player or. An enemy ca- or an NPC, whatever. Hmm. So, um, but I've also almost exclusively played on RP PVP servers. Hmm. So I might be biased just because of my own experience in that.
4: Hmm. Well, knowing that you've done the majority of your time in game, uh, on an RP PVP server, were you devastated to hear this?
9: Oh, no. Um, I actually wasn't surprised at all. Like, um, so as much as I loved my experience on the r p p v p server, like I played on um several of them actually. it was Ravenholt Twisting Nether and Emerald Dream for a minute. Um, they were really great, like back at wrath when I started, but um as the game went along and it kind of like I don't know if they like lost subscribers or people um were just like changing realms or something, but we had a big population problem. It got to the point where like you wouldn't see people in the main cities, even like last time I logged in. Um I like I took a big break from like MIST to BFA but I logged in recently and there was like no one in Stormwind and this is after they had already combined two of the RP PVP servers um into connected realms and stuff so it's just it's it's a really bad problem so um I think they're just kind of foreseeing the same thing happening in Classic that happened in Retail that there's just not going to be enough people to to justify its own server
4: Zane Zabar, I'll turn back to you because it, it sounds like the two of you were not shocked by this news and you sound like, you know, you're saying it, it was kind of expected and it probably makes the most sense from Blizzard's perspective. However, it does seem like a lot of the people, at least on the Classic Wow subreddit, really were taken by surprise and felt blindsided by this news because they just locked it in that this was going to be option and, and going to be an option. And to be honest with you, I had locked it in as well. I just thought, well, server-wise, they're going to give us a bit of everything. Why would they not? And I guess we tend to forget. We get caught up in the hype of Classic and, oh, it's going to be huge. Classic's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. They'll give us all these servers and it'll be amazing. But Blizzard also, I guess, somewhat has to live in reality and temper expectations somewhat. And that's why they've said, look, maybe later down the track you'll get it. But at the start, no. So, what I'm going to ask you is why do you think I guess it's hard to put yourself in other people's minds but why do you think these people were blindsided by it and do you think they were right to just presume that this was coming I think it
10: was just simply that they were taking their experiences from retail and just applying it to the classic um uh, the classic landscape without even thinking about what blizzard would be um you know, approaching from a business perspective, but I, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm more surprised at the surprise because when, when we heard loop trading was announced, um, everyone was, you know, incredibly surprised. I mean, I admit I was too, um, cause it's, it is something, you know, a feature that we didn't expect to see in classic, but, um, people, you know, that's, the, with all the all this stuff that's led up to this, I don't see why people are surprised that, um, you know, it's not classic 100%. And actually, I think RPPVP servers weren't in at launch anyway. I'm pretty sure they were in at uh, 1.5 or
9: 1.6 they were added. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I double-checked. It was 1.7 that Emerald Dream was added. I'm pretty
10: oh. sure that was the first one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 1.7. Um, so uh, the game did launch with RP servers, I believe. I did try to double-check that. Um, but... Yeah, so basically, that's that's all I can really guess. I've sort of taken my feet out of the RP community um, in the break. I haven't been keeping up with any of my old contacts, so I uh, don't really have my ear to the ground in the RP community anymore. Unfortunately, I'm just drawing from experience. Um, yeah, that's that's really all I can think of. You know, people just think Classic was going to launch the same as retail. Hmm.
9: Something that I've noticed with a lot of these news items that people will react based on their own personal experiences and not consider the fact that like not all servers acted the same way or like turned out the same way. So, um, I mean, I kind of implicitly expected them to have RP PVP servers like it wasn't even a question in my mind until they announced that they weren't going to be there, but like within a second I was not surprised just because of my own experience with it. So, um, but if I had heard or if I had dropped out of the game sooner than I did, I would have been like, I guess in that same community that you're talking about where, you know, I'd be mad about it or whatever, just because like, I didn't have that bad experience of like, what it's like to be on a dead realm. So I think it's kind of a lack of um maybe not empathy, but just understanding that not everyone had the great experience that you do. And that there are, um, you know, other people who, or I guess, like other situations that you're not accounting for, if that mm. makes sense.
4: So in saying that, can you still sympathize with the people who are pouring their hearts out on the forums saying this is sort of really really broken their dreams for classic
9: Oh yeah um I mean I think that they should do that too I I heard that there was a poll or not a poll a petition going around about um having them add them later or whatever because they did say in the de- or the water cooler that um they would be open to adding them eventually if it was appropriate um so like blizz is listening you know, like obviously from the other blue posts that are coming out, they are reading forum posts and stuff. So anyone who feels strongly about this should definitely, like, raise their hand and say so in, like, a public way, I mm-hmm. think.
10: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, I, I actually, to be honest, given the, the changes that they've made so far to like the other things they've announced, I wouldn't be surprised, again, if this was changed before launch. Even if they said, we were originally going to launch with six RP servers, we'll now launch with five and one RP PVP. Oh, yeah, that's a good point.
4: Yeah, well, that was the next point, definitely, because this news came the day before we got this huge news about the changes to loot trading. So Blizzard has seen our feedback on the loot trading issue. They've sort of, you know, digested it and they've thought on it and they've said, all right, you know what, we'll go with you all. We'll change it up and only do loot trading in raids because that seems to be the best middle ground. Seeing that come the day after this RP news, Jamie, I'll start with you would you have some kind of hope that again we'll get blizzard doing the we heard you and here we've changed our stance so there's your one rp pvp server
9: oh yeah um and it's something that like i'm kind of chewing over the idea of like raising my hand too just because um you know eventually it kind of turned into a situation where there weren't enough people and it was a dead realm blah 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 but like it started off really well like i out of all my time on WoW, like, I enjoyed when the RP community and, like, Raven Holt and Twisting Nether, um, when I would actually see what was going on, like, kind of in the background. Like, when you had, like, the full-on RP PVP element going before, you know, everyone just, like, basically left to either quit the game or go to another server because it was dead. Um, so, anyway, so, like, it's just a really good experience to be in one. Like, if I had to choose a type of server, that's the one I would choose. So, um, like, I understand that they are trying to do what's best for, for the game. But, um, I don't know. I think it's worth speaking out for it.
4: Mm. Zainzabar, would you be, as you said, you know, not only recommending people voice their opinions if they're unhappy, but would you be anticipating that were people to voice their displeasure with this, that this is something that Blizzard might reconsider, or do you think it's locked in?
10: No, I definitely think Blizzard would be open to reconsidering it. And and I, I sincerely hope they include at least one or two RP PvP realms because you do get a different feel out of the um, RP PvP uh, than you do out of regular RP. And uh, in my limited experience, I should uh, say as well, because I, my predominant experience comes from RP, but I did play on Emerald Dream for a bit as well. But um, there's also actually, I was going to ask you, Jamie, did you do any RP when you played on RP PvP or did you just sort of watch from the background?
9: I just watched. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I I would pass by role play every once in a while. It was mostly when I was working on like achievements and stuff. Um, mm. So they would be like in the old deserted cities that like people don't really go to for any like practical reason other than to role play. So um, mm. but, you know, seeing that is just like it really adds to the immersion of the game, which is something that even like if you were to play a PvE or a PvP realm. Like, people talk about immersion all the time and WoW. So it's just, like, built-in immersion from other players that you wouldn't get on another realm. So I think it's a really cool element.
10: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely a great point. And that's why it was something else I wanted to point out is a lot of the people on RP realms, and people don't really know this, they don't actually RP. It's probably, you know, I don't know the numbers, but probably 40% <laughs> of people um, on RP realms don't RP at all. And they they just enjoy being immersed in that atmosphere. So it's, it's sort of like a supporting um you know supporting ensemble uh, if you'd like um so i i think some people would want to have that immersion of the rp and have the immersion of pvp and combine that together um and you know have the rp pvp all in one so i would be surprised if uh Maybe not surprised, but I would be very disappointed if Blizzard decided not to change their mind and not launch with RPPVP. Mm.
4: Now, Zane you mentioned to me in PMs, I'm not sure if you've already raised them, but you said there were a couple of sort of ancillary issues that came up out of this news. Have you touched on them yet, or is there something more you want to raise? N-
10: no, I haven't. There was something that you raised, which was just that uh Ian Hasacosta said, it might come out later. Uh That was one thing. The mm. other thing was he said... Um, I don't remember if it was in that call, uh, that um, show, or the other one uh, that Jamie linked me, but um, he did say that they weren't going to release RP servers outside of the large realms. Uh, that is the current situation in retail. The only RP servers on the US, um, the, the US client or servers—I I don't know the terminology—are the only ones that are actually on the, the North American servers. Mm. Um, so, in that same. Battle group thing um, I apologize for butchering this that's all right. um oceanic doesn't have any r p realms um, uh Latin America might have one, but i don't think they have any either mm. um, and then whatever the other one is because there's four tabs that doesn 't have any r p realms either so there's there's not that many, only a handful uh that all on north america so that's it's annoying it's disappointing again, not surprising um, so any Australians or Latin Americans who want to r p will have to a speak English and b be on North American servers.
4: Mm. Well, just to to finalize with you, Zane Zabar, I can't remember if you said in the last call, because I've been thinking about in the last uh, couple of days since we got this news what your plans were, because obviously you're an Aussie, but you do have a background in role-playing as well. And I wasn't sure if you were actually planning on rolling on an RP server for Classic, are you?
10: I am, but not that, that'll that be like my secondary project character. Ah. Um, my main character I'm going to be playing on... Um, Probably oceanic. If you end up on oceanic servers, I know you've been tossing and turning. I'll probably end up in uh, playing with you on your guild. Um, but I will definitely have at least one, maybe as much, as many as four characters on an RP server. Um. And if RP PVP, RP PVP becomes an option, I might even roll a couple on uh, RP
4: PVP as well. Mm. Now, Jamie, finally with you, how does this news affect you and your plans for Classic? Because I think, again, you're, I, I'm presuming, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you were planning on playing with, with us countdown uh, listeners on a countdown guild, but obviously that wasn't going to be on an RP server, but you might have been rolling an alt or something on an RP server. So what does this change things up for you?
9: Oh, I've um I've never role played in games, so I would now I would never make a character just on a pure RP realm. Um I also just wanted to make a quick point for um people that are into PvP exclusively and that are not interested in role play, kind of like where I am, that um just the atmosphere of PvP like world PvP in particular on um those type of realms, the the RP PvP ones, are um way different than what you would get on a normal PvP server. Um mm-hmm. people are a lot more uh I guess you'd call them mature, respectful, whatever. Um, I think that's kind of like what influenced my uh view on like fair fights and like not ganking people and, you know, not like 5v1ing people or uh whatever. Is just because I always played on realms where people kind of went by those rules just because, I don't know if it's because mm-hmm. they're in a roleplay community or whatever, but um, I always enjoyed those world pvp experiences more on those realms just because people were not assholes <laughs> so well, something to consider
4: really good point to raise and sorry i, I always do this on the show obviously I, i'm about to end a call and then something comes up that grabs my interest and so we'll just touch on this before we go because i i got True. a lot of feedback about something that i said on the show in the more recent episode when i talked about um my view on etiquette in world pvp saying okay. that you know maybe i was the fool for having all these silly rules that i've made up in my head about playing with honor and i won't attack anyone that's low on health or engage with the mob and you know yeah i'm reassessing my situation and thank you to everyone that wrote to me about that i had people on both sides of the argument saying you know do it our way or do it this way but anyway it's all a bit of fun but from the rp perspective this was something that came up because if you're on an rp pvp server is there a kind of again there's no rules you know all's fair in love and warcraft but is there some kind of guideline because rp servers tend to be pretty strict about their rules in terms of role playing so in world pvp is there a set of rules that you like i will you know you say something before you're about to charge into battle like for stormwind <laughs> or something like that or is it just a fucking yeah. gank fest that every other server is
9: oh my god that's funny um no, I mean, like, world PvP is not any different on either one, other than the fact that, like, people won't teabag your body when you die. <laughs> <laughs>
8: um,
9: no, seriously, it's like, it's just something that, um, like, the way that they engage you, I just, they don't, like, like slash walk up to you or anything and, like, you know, ask you to duel if they're on the yeah. other side or anything, yeah. but, um, like... I don't know.
4: Can I engage that... you on the field of battle? <laughs>
9: <laughs> Pistols at
4: dawn. Yeah.
9: <are> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually I did not see that much role play in the time that I played. It was mostly just like in a few isolated incident. Sorry, my phone's ringing. That's all right. Um, instances. But uh like you said earlier, Zane Zabar, something about like 40% don't. I would say it's more like... Eighty percent don't, at least on the yeah. ones that I that I rolled but, on. But you know, maybe it's just because I wasn't seeking it out. Um,
10: so yeah, yeah. that's true. I mean, the, most of the RP I did was because I was looking for RP, and then there are times, you know, when you just want to turn it off and you just want to go about, you know, farming for whatever the hell you do on retail these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's just when you when you PVP on RP PVP if you're an RP'er. I think you just sort of, uh, this was my experience at least, you just sort of think about how would your character do this. So I think Jamie's definitely right in that um, people are more mature in the way they approach it, um, and that's just something that's across the board in RP servers. There's less trolling, it's just that when people do troll, it's more
11: disruptive.
4: Mm-hmm. okay yeah. fair enough all right well good to know a bit more about uh what goes on on the uh rp pvp servers thanks so much for addressing this issue you two as i said not a huge piece of news but a, a little bit of an opportunity to dive a bit more into the minds of the rp and sort of more the rp PVPs. but thanks so much again for coming on guys and answering the call Zanzibar Zabar. always a pleasure mate
11: oh
10: thank you it's uh i love being here really Always, you know, call me when you need
4: me. Absolutely, mate, And Jamie, uh absolutely love you. Thank you so much for coming on again. It's been great to hear from you.
9: Yeah, no problem. Happy to be on the show again.
4: All right. We'll talk to you later, guys. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. All right, it's time for another Countdown to Classic call, and we've got uh, some Countdown to Classic all-stars in on this call and a Countdown to Classic first-timer. I'm very, very excited for this one. Touching on a topic that we touched on recently because obviously Blizzard has addressed it and we felt like it was a good time to get into it, you know, striking while the iron is hot, so to speak. But let's get through who's in on this call. OG my man, our resident PvP expert. You know, you, you've you been designated that title, so I hope I'm not putting the pressure on by calling you that.
12: Uh, I, it's an honor and a privilege. I hope I can live up to
4: it. <laughs> you certainly have been so far, so I'm so glad to get you back on the show. Love talking to you. Also, we've got with you another regular on the show. And f- tell us a funny little story here, because recently you got recognized because of your input and appearances on the show. Ale, how are you?
5: Yeah, I'm doing well. It uh it took me by surprise. I was actually playing on a server and a guy messaged me and asked me if I was the ale and I was just <laughs> like it felt weird. But it was great. And he was a great guy to talk to as well.
4: That's fantastic. I love that a listener found you on a server and said hello. Are you the now I'm gonna have to refer to you as the ale from now on, so that's fantastic. Um and finally, we've got a countdown to classic first-timer here. You know I love it when listeners get involved and jump in the deep end for a first-time call. Thanks so much for being here, Grim GrimSource. How are you?
11: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
4: Mate, my absolute pleasure. I really, really appreciate you being here. And you're an important person to have in on this call because I want to throw in a little bit of a uh, mea culpa on this call because I went against the principles of the show recently. And in the last episode, we talked about the news in regards to Alterac Valley and Blizzard's decision to do 1.12 Alterac Valley in World of Warcraft Classic. Ale was in on that call, and we had three callers who all agreed that that was they thought that was a bad decision on blizzard's behalf now i didn't know what the guy's opinion was going to be until i actually start recording and ask them the questions none of that is pre-organized if you don't know this about the show i don't talk to anyone about what's going to be on the call before the call is actually recorded so every answer takes me by surprise and every question takes them by surprise um so it Raised a little bit of a funny circumstance where everyone was in agreeance on that point and I was remiss in not doing a better job in pushing back on those points and providing the opposite point of view because obviously there are people out there who think that this is actually a perfectly fine decision and are applauding Blizzard for going with the 1.12 version of Alterac Valley, which they feel is the superior one. Now GrimSource is one of those people. So I want to apologize to all the listeners of Countdown to Classic and hopefully make it up to you now by providing quickly that contrarian point of view this call is going to be about Alterac valley in general we're talking all things av not as much the news but we'll just start on the news just to sort of help the balance if you will let's balance the force out and Grimsource, i'll start with you tell me why you thought the news we got about 1.12 av is the right decision
11: Put simply, I think it's just the most fair version of AV in vanilla. I think that the Alliance in the 1.5 to the 1.8 version had, uh, like a very large advantage over the Horde. And there was also the fact that these games, while they lasted a very long time and they were really fun the first few times, I specifically remember being on a, a medium to low pop server. After the first few weeks of it being released, you had to beg people to come and join an AV to get one started.
4: Hmm. Oh, gee. Actually, as I said, uh, I normally don't ask people before the call their thoughts on things, but I cheated the system this one time because I wanted to find out what your stance was. And you mentioned that you're relatively ambivalent as to which version of AV Blizzard went with. You had a slight preference for the older version, but you sort of didn't seem to really care at the end of the day. So let me frame this question towards you this way. Tell me why you would say, even if you don't necessarily you know, particularly care which version they went with, tell me why you think 1.12 is a good version of Alterac Valley to go with.
12: It's definitely a lot less frustrating to play from the perspective of like an everyday player in in the 1.5 version usually games that are 100 percent pugs where you know people haven't countdown queued or uh queued as a pre-made which i will talk a little bit about that later because that's kind of a topic that there is a lot of confusion on pre-mating av um, but uh, coming at it from the perspective of just like an everyday standard you know 80 players queuing in by themselves to Alterac valley the 1.5 version is pretty frustrating um and if you find yourself lacking healers or you know lacking a really geared tank or you know even just in a group where people aren't really communicating and just kind of running around doing their own thing uh the 1.5 version is is just incredibly incredibly frustrating so i think a lot of people have sort of this nostalgic kind of idea of old av in their head of you know all these epic you know 12-hour battle and sort of like Grimsaw said i think that's the type of thing that it's fun the first few times you experience it but when it comes down to trying to grind your reputation to get your items and actually win games the 1.5 version without a pre-made is incredibly frustrating to be honest
4: all right. Ale, I'm gonna to turn to you now. Now, let me preface this. Ale, you know I love you like a son, right? You're you're one of my favorites on the show. But I'm gonna go into bat for the other side here. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best acting. I'm gonna, you know, go for my Oscar winning performance here and please don't be offended but by what I'm about to say, but I'll push back on some of your points that you made on the last show and I'll say this. Do you feel that some of what OG has just said could apply to you? If I were to say to you, Ale, hey, man, you're being a bit nostalgic about the old versions of AV. I'm thinking that you're not accepting the improvements that Blizzard actually brought in and that your thoughts on the old style of the battleground are flawed because, you know, you went into bat for... Um, the fact that there was still a lot of pvp in the older versions of av and you said that in the 1.12 version people started zerging they completely ignored pvp just to blow by to the final boss and end around that way but if i were to say to you there was actually no pvp in the earlier versions because everyone was so caught up with these fucking very hard pve encounters that were eventually nerfed what would you say to that
5: yeah, I don't think that's totally accurate. I realized after that I talked on the call with you guys that I probably had like an ideal case situation when I was playing and it wasn't the same experience as other people. And I can't really say what it was like for, for them. But when I played AV on the server that I did, it was instant queue times. I almost always had a pre-made of people I was playing with. So maybe it's it's possible that my opinion is way different and I understand that. So for us, when we were in there, we were always PvPing, you know, to get to the end, you know, PvE encounter, and that could be like vastly different. Mm. So I, I, underst- I understand there might be like another side to it, but at the same time, when the old version was at its best, I think it would be far superior to anything the new one could
4: do. Mm. Source, I'll come back to you and thank you so much for that ale i'll drop the veil of of you know acting and and pushing back now but i actually am genuinely interested in this question because people were going back and forth a lot about this on the forums and as i mentioned on the call i didn't play av so i don't really know but there and again we're pushing the memories here from years ago but i want to know whether or not There was more PvP in the older version or the newer version. Here are the arguments for both. People are saying, look, in old AV, there was no PvP because you were so caught up in these PvE encounters with mobs with high health pools and what have you, and people kind of got ensconced in all that and forgot about the PvP element the naysayers say no 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 getting caught up in those pve encounters is exactly what drew in these massive pvp battles and it was fucking amazing and you kind of turtled a little bit and you went back and forth and it was these you know awesome days long battles because you couldn't get it was tougher to get through the pve content which caused more pvp as a waterfall effect Um then you've got the new version of av where people say Oh, there was no PvP in 1.12 because everyone zerged. And then you got people saying, no, 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 there was PvP in 1.12. People would stop to take the time because they were actually there for a battleground. That's what you wanted to do. And I can't make my mind up. So let's try and get to the bottom of it. Grimsource, I'll start with you. What would you say? Do you think there was PvP in the older version or there was more PvP in the newer version?
11: To be frank, I think both of them had Probably the same amount of PvP. It just depended on what the opposing team did or your team did. Like in one, in the 112 version, you can have an extended PvP battle if you control the choke points and force the enemy to just grind against your turtle for hours. And the same could be said for the old version.
4: All right. OG, what are your thoughts?
11: Yeah, I
12: think that a lot of the change in the way that AV is played really has more to do with the attitudes of players than actual changes to the battleground. It There definitely is a difference, and like I mentioned, the landmines in the 1.5 version were a really big deal. So in the 1.5 version, it was still possible to zerg. It was just a lot more difficult, and there was like zero room for error. In the 1.12 version, zerging is easy enough that any... Group of forty people can just kind of hop in the battleground and do it in in one point five it was a lot harder to Zerk that being said, it was a lot easier to turtle in the one point five version because of the landmines and the fact that there were you know overpowered mobs all over the place. but what Grimshaw said is accurate about even in the one point twelve version if you want to kind of force a more pvp oriented longer game it's definitely possible to do i've played. A lot of servers that had 1.12 AV. Every server I've played except Nostalrius had 1.12 AV. Unless I'm missing something, Nostalrius was really the only server that implemented the old version with landmines. So, you know, that being that, all that being said, I think it's a lot more about the players that are in the battleground, uh, what their attitude is, what their goals are, and how organized they are. The in the 1.5 version on Nostalrius. We the day that it came out, Nope ran with a full 40 man pre-made and you know, we just we zerked the boss even with the landmines and everything, and it was not a problem for us. So it, it can really go either way. Um, but like I said, in the 1.12 version, all you really need are like five, six, seven geared players that, that are really know what they're doing, specifically a couple of healers, some mages, and some hunters, and you can pretty easily force a turtle with just five or six people um i <laughs> i was sort of notorious for making a hobby out of that on a lot of servers um of just you know posting up in the alliance base and just like me and a paladin just holding it for as long as we could mm. and it it really it doesn't take a lot so if you if you go into the game with that goal of wanting to force a turtle and create like this epic 4 hour battle it's still possible in the 1.12 version, it's just a little bit less likely to happen naturally, if that makes sense.
4: Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll turn to you and we'll, we'll round out sort of this portion of the call about the news, um, with just getting one final perspective from you, because you raised this point on the last call last week, and it's being brought up again by wow, magic TV and Twitch chat. And I think it's fair to touch on that. A lot of people got back in touch with me and have raised again on the forums, um, that, that talking about these five to 10 minute games in the 1.12 version. Now, you put forward that if we do get the 1.12 version, which we, we have been told we're getting, the game devolves into five to 10 minute rounds with these Zergfests. There was a bit of pushback to that from some listeners um who seemed to say, like, no, they're blowing it out of proportion. It wasn't that bad. But a lot of people are also saying, no, it was that bad. Games were over really quickly. So final point on this one. I know you said it last time, but maybe mention... Is it the case that games, you know, kind of did go over 10 minutes more than you think? Or are you really sticking to your guns and going, people don't understand how fucking quickly AV games ended in 1.12? I'm
5: sticking to my guns. It's definitely uh, more short games than long games. And I, I really believe that it's due to kind of like the reward system almost. You know, people are motivated to get a game and get a game done quickly, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
5: and there will always be people who try and draw it out. Um, I always try and draw it out, actually. I would always, you know, equip my trinket and hearth back and try and nuke down the other team, Um, because I want those big epic battles yeah. that are, like, I feel like are a little bit missed. So I, that, especially on the weekends and stuff, people are usually trying to grind out uh, their honor, grind out their uh, reputation, and... Sometimes I, I know I experienced it where you feel pressured to not PvP, hmm. which is frustrating because you know, if you're not, people are calling you out. Hmm. Uh, you know, you're not aligned with everybody going just, you know, for the end boss and capping the towers and stuff like that.
12: Hmm. Yeah, I was I was gonna say a lot of times um if you do decide to defend and kind of defend or turtle or whatever you want to call it and create more PvP in a drawn out game in this day and age so many people like literally view that as trolling or griefing right. and i'm sure ale is in the same boat as me where when you do that like you get spammed with whispers from people calling you a griefer and a troll if right. just be- for defending and basically playing the game to win rather than playing to end the game as quickly as possible whether you win or lose people view it as griefing in a lot of cases yeah. which i think is is pretty dumb but you know in the from the perspective of somebody that's been grinding rep for a week and is sick of the battleground, you know, of course they're going to react a little bit emotionally when when somebody tries to drag the game out.
4: Right.
5: So that, that actually made me remember something. You you did play on the Chronos, right?
12: I played on Chronos too.
5: Yeah. No, I remember you from I think from AV. Like you would always be trying oh, to yeah. defend, and I would be as <laughs> oh, well. Yeah.
12: Free action potions, saffron charges, wiping them on Van all day, dude.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just blow my blow my wad on sweeping strikes and recklessness and try and get
4: somebody out of it so og just to pick up on what you said so and i was going to mention this as well to ale but it seems like you guys are kind of saying that if you did try and do the 1.12 av from the perspective of like hey come on guys let's try and have some fun and do the pvp stuff you'd get shouted down like shut up idiot we're just gonna zerg
12: a lot of times yeah but I, I, and I—that's what I'm saying. I really think it, a lot of it comes back to the attitudes of the players and what people's goals are. Because, um, like I said, it's possible to zerg the 1.5 version; it's just a lot harder. And it's possible to turtle the 1.12 version; it's just a lot harder. Hmm.
4: All right, uh, I'd say that's fair. Grim Sauce, I'll give you your, your last say on this topic, and then we'll move on to the battleground in general. You know if you wanna say anything to these guys as to something that might convince them, guys, look, I appreciate that you might have love for the old version, but here's what you're missing on why the one point one two version is so good
11: uh I just wanted to add that while I agree that the game the one point five version can be incredibly fun for the first few times that it becomes increasingly boring right. and it's just not very enjoyable. In fact, John Stats in his uh, Q&A six months ago, he commented on a question similar to this. Uh I believe the question was, AV is probably one of the best design battlegrounds you've made. I'm sad that it was reduced to what it is now, but why is Blizzard so afraid to implement something like old v- AV? And John Stats replied, "AV wasn't very popular. While some people enjoyed the mix of PvP and PVE, most did not. Mm. So I think that just yeah, adds some little spice, you know.
4: Yeah, definitely. I yeah, saw that. Yeah, it kind
11: that. of sums up the attitude of of the players, just wanting to get it done. You know.
5: I think at its best, it's better, but generally, it's not at its best, and so it's probably like worse for the overall people. Mm. If you can have an ideal teams." And everybody's kind of all aligned. I think it is better, but as we know, that's probably not going to be the case.
4: Okay. So is it fair to do? You think it's fair for me to sum up and say, look, while old AV might be the best version of that battleground, it's for a relatively niche uh, sort of corner of the community, and for the needs of the the community on the whole, newer AV is probably right the the right decision.
12: Yeah, yes, I think that's probably accurate. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. And I think um I think that a lot of the people that are really like posting a lot on the Blizzard forums and giving all this backlash about not having the old AV, I dare to say that a lot of them are people that haven't really played private servers much and a lot of them would probably become pretty frustrated after 10 or 12 hours of trying to win games in the old AV. Mm. There's definitely that subset of people like me and like Ale that really enjoy you know, the, the drawn-out fights yeah. and just farming tons of kills. But I think for the average player, it would, it would become frustrating pretty quickly.
5: And that being said, like, we, we both recently played on a like, very small subset of the community of really hardcore people who are willing to you know, go to great lengths pretty much at any cost to play this game when classic is released it's going to be a much larger subset so like please go out and make it the game that you want to play if you don't want to go with everybody else you know go out and pvp and av right make make it what you want just because a certain like hardcore set want to do one thing
4: that doesn't mean you have to do it that way
12: don't let people flame you for defending have a good time if that's what you want to do very exactly.
4: very well said all right guys we'll look Let's get into the meat of the call, what we're all here for, and that's to talk AV in general. We've gotten the news out of the way. I hope everyone's satisfied that both sides of the coin have had their fair say now in the argument, but let's talk about actually what we're going to find in 1.12 av what people can come to expect some of the tactics that they might engage when they're trying to take down the opposite faction and why you guys love it so much so og i'll get you to kick us off mate and i'm going to ask very 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 general and obviously as we do here as time goes on we'll get more niche in terms of um, some of the things that people will find but tell me why you love av and why people should perhaps look to av a bit more than they do over the other battlegrounds
12: well, I think it offers a lot that Warsaw Gulch and Arathi Basin don't really offer. Um, it's it's a lot more of a battleground where you can kind of just get lost in the chaos of there being eighty players, um, and really anything can happen as far as far as tactics, because ninety nine percent of the time, people's goal is to just kill the end boss as quickly as possible and get their marks and their honor. Really, the the main thing that I've seen talked about a lot is the Horde backdoor jump, which for anyone that doesn't know, it refers to a way that you can actually get into the Alliance base from the back without using the bridge. And that bridge in the Alliance base is really the most notorious part of the map because especially back in the day, the general narrative was that Alliance was heavily favored in Alterac Valley because the Alliance base has that bridge. That's just an insane choke point while the horde base doesn't really have a choke point that strong and that easy to defend. So I've always thought that the backdoor jump is actually a really good thing because it sort of balances out the battleground a little bit. It was definitely not intentional. Um, you know, they didn't put the backdoor jump there on purpose, but it's I think it's a good thing. Mm. Now, that being said, there's a lot of confusion out there about whether or not the backdoor jump will be possible on Classic. And a lot of people confuse it with wall jumping, and they're two completely different things. So wall jumping was, I don't want to say an exploit, but it was a bug that allowed people to gradually kind of climb walls in the game. And you could do it in tons of different places. Like you could you could wall climb to get out of Orgrimmar and get out of the, like through the skybox in a ton of areas And that was patched out of the game and removed. And wall climbing, wall jumping, in that sense, will not be possible on Classic. But the backdoor jump is not actually wall climbing. It's just what most people refer to as a pixel jump, which means you don't have to abuse any type of mechanic. You just have to jump and land perfectly on on an exact spot, like an exact pixel on the map. So, pixel jumps and wall jumps, two different things. Now, in the classic demo, I didn't do this myself, but some friends of mine actually were able to get into the battleground files on the classic demo and run around Warsaw Gulch. And every single pixel jump, again, not not wall jumping, but every pixel jump that is present in Warsaw Gulch was also present in the demo. So that would lead us to believe that the backdoor jump will indeed be possible on classic.
4: That's a hot take. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ale, anything to, uh, to piggyback off of that with?
5: As far as like the choke point and it being Alliance favored, I would agree. Um, generally, that was the, the most commonly held opinion just because it is so narrow and it was really, really tough for hard to break through.
4: Hmm. Well, GrimSource, I'll turn to you for this one. And now that OG's raised it, I figured it's as good a time as any to discuss because one thing that turns me off, if you know, um, I'm just looking to get involved in Battlegrounds, I might be new to the game, I might not have played much PvP back in the day, but if you were to tell me that a Battleground had an obvious imbalance in terms of it seemed to favor one faction, I'm going, well, then why the fuck would I want to play it? Tell me why you still loved A.V., and what your thoughts were on that potential favoritism towards one faction in the battleground
11: while the the balance is definitely off and the lions have the bigger the upper hand i think that just adds you know sweetness to your victory it's just i think that's the same with all vanilla really you have to go through this you know harder leveling or grinding through dungeons with more trash etc it's just the same that victory at the end is just that much more sweet
4: hmm. now <clears throat> it sounds like you were perhaps playing the game as a hoardy is that right
11: yeah i was always hoard
4: <laughs> okay so you'd you like to rise to the occasion you'd like the thought that you were playing with a little bit of a handicap and then you could sort of cheer a bit harder if you got up
11: yeah, actually, I think that's the whole mindset of the Horde in the first place. They were kind of the under.
4: Okay, well, why don't you talk to us about, let's start from the Horde perspective and then we'll turn to the Alliance. As a member of the Horde Grim Source, tell me what you are looking to do when you get into Alterac Valley. You know, the battleground starts, everyone rushes out. What do you personally enjoy? What What point do you enjoy getting to first or what do you like trying to do first in that battleground?
11: Uh, typically I try to roll with like four rogues and myself as a rest of, and I like to run up to Stonehearth, I think it is, or maybe the next one above that, Snowfall. And we, we do the back door to the Alliance base and go and stealth cap their two bunkers before the rest of our raid gets there while they're killing the, uh, bunker boss, Belinda. And I always found that the most fun. We just kind of split up in two different groups and... Myself as the resto druid, I just jump between the bunker or the two, yeah bunkers. Okay, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. OG. yeah backdoor jump really is like the best
12: unintentional balancing mechanic to ever happen. To be honest.
4: Hmm. Well, I mean, OG, I'll get you to dive down that rabbit hole a little bit more. Like, is that not a turn off to you? And also, would you say people should not be turned off by the fact that there is this little imbalance here?
12: Well, I, I, you're referring to the backdoor jump as an imbalance.
4: I, uh, well, sorry, just the sort of slight alliance, the favoritism to the alliance in the design. Whether that, might being yeah. by way of the backdoor jump or other factors as well.
12: Well, what I would say is that the backdoor jump really evens things out. Like I mentioned, um, without without the backdoor jump, the the battleground is pretty insanely bias towards the alliance having an advantage but mm. with the backdoor jump being in the game i think it's it's pretty fair to be honest
4: okay fair enough
12: and a lot of people complain about the backdoor jump and say it's an exploit but it's not because anyone can do it uh it's you know it doesn't require any type of mechanic that's not an everyday mechanic it just requires you to stand on a spot push w and space bar aiming at the right spot and, and that's it. It's mm. you know it's pretty simple and with you know ten minutes of practice anybody can do it with mm. a pretty high rate of reproducing it. Um so I think calling it an exploit is is really unfair because it's in the game, anyone can do it. And like I said, in my opinion it really makes the battleground a lot more balanced. Uh if Horde were forced to enter the Alliance base from the bridge There would definitely be some imbalance because there are multiple ways into the horde base. So I think the backdoor jump just really evens things out a whole lot. Um, Like I said, based on researching the demo and the fact that pixel jumps were possible in the battleground files in the demo, I expect the backdoor jump to be in classic. And I really hope that it is because I think it makes the battleground a lot more fair for
4: the horde side. Okay. Okay. Here's a cool, intense question from Zanzibar that's just popped up in Twitch chat that I'll open up to the group. So first in Best Dressed here and whoever thinks they can tackle this one. Zanzibar asks, and this is sort of apropos of nothing we've talked about, but I'll, I'll slide it in. Um, I was wondering what the actual effect of 1.8's Blizzard that knocked some neutral forest trolls into the graveyard was. Did it limit some of the play space of Alterac Valley? And if it did, what effect on gameplay did this have?
12: I'm not sure about a blizzard effect. Is it was it a a spell that the troll mobs would use?
4: It basically just knocked out some of the neutral forest trolls, and um, and oh, I think
5: I know what they're talking about.
4: Yeah, go for it, Ale.
5: Well, that that was just kind of like creative language they used. They said they just like r. It was like an RP thing, saying that a blizzard had knocked them out, just as a way to say that they.
4: Yeah, I know what he's talking about now.
5: Yeah, 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 yeah.
12: patch notes. You mean? Yeah, Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, so there were. Another feature of 1.5 AV was just an absolute shitload of elite mobs just kind of wandering around the Field of Strife, Mm. which was just another reason that 1.5 AV was only really zergable with a full premade and pretty frustrating for pugs. Mm. Because, you know, if you got two or three of those mobs on you, it would not take them long to daze you and dismount you, and then you would probably die. Um, So it was just another aspect that, that made it play out super slowly and made it really tedious hmm.
5: can i there comment on there was... the trolls go for it oh, oh go ahead uh i think you were gonna step in as well
11: yeah i was just gonna say the same thing the Korak, the blood rate the he was the world boss inside av right there and he spawned every 30 minutes i want to say correct me if i'm wrong hmm. something
12: like that it was 30 or 45 i think I think his first spawn was at 45, and then after that it was every 30, something along those lines.
11: Yeah, that sounds right. But he was kind of like a world boss inside AV, and he dropped some loot, I think, and uh, he was part of a quest chain.
4: Hmm. Now, he's yeah. he's been removed from this 1.12 version, I believe, so Grimsauce, I'd keep it going. Like, Are you going to miss him at all?
11: Yeah, actually, that is one thing that I really will miss. I think he added a lot of depth to the games, but... Uh, you know, you gotta take what
4: you. Okay, Ale, you were gonna say it something. Actually,
11: now, sorry.
12: Now that I say that, I think it actually took a little longer than that for him to spawn. I want to say it was maybe closer to like an hour and forty-five minutes, or two hours for his initial spawn.
4: Okay, Ale, did you have something on that?
5: Yeah, I just wanted to comment on the mobs that were removed from the sides. There was actually elite, like the map was, I think, about thirty percent larger. Uh, like, fatter, like, width-wise. And there was elite mobs in the left and the right side. And I believe there's even a quest uh, for each side to go in and fight them, which is totally separate from pretty much anything else you could do. I can't remember the specifics on it, but I think on the west side there was trolls. On the east side of the map there was Syndicate, I believe, which was, that might be some of the things that people are referencing for, like, PvE to go do that. Um I I never did that. I always just PVP'd. And then the uh the other main thing that was removed um at the same time which I think probably OG can talk about more was the mines. Like the landmines.
12: Yeah, the landmines were insane. <laughs> they were they were completely
4: insane. Well, th- that's the thing. I mean, they come up all the time. And again, I-, I unfortunately now will never get to play a version of AV that had these landmines in it unless I jump on a private server that might happen to have it. But, I mean, you know, I didn't play AV back in the Only day. The yeah, it Yeah, exactly. I didn't play AV back in the day. Uh I missed this version of it with the landmines. I'll now never get a chance to see them. But, I mean, am I missing much? It sounded like it was a prick of a thing to n- to navigate. <laughs>
12: Yeah, you had to run a really specific route if you wanted to Zerg. And again, this the landmines are one of those things that probably weren't necessarily that accurate on private servers in terms of the amount of damage they did. But from what I remember on Nestorius, if you if you ran over one landmine, it would take about a third of your HP. So if you hit three, you were pretty much dead.
4: Mm. Um,
12: and I also believe that only rogues could see them. Don't quote me on that because Nestorius was several years ago and my memory's not great, but for some reason I want to say that they were invisible to classes except for rogues that can disarm traps.
4: Al, I'll, I'll kick up this one with you. Now uh, we heard from Grimsource, some of the things that he likes to do uh, as soon as the battleground starts, but, Obviously, AV is a big map. Tell me what some of your favorite, you know, points of interest on the map are. Where's your favorite place to hang out in AV?
5: Pretty much anywhere large groups congregate is where I want to be. Um, Icewing
4: choke point. Oh, Icewing
5: choke point. Um, when they fight the mini bosses in the Stone, uh, stone Hearth or Iceblood Um, Same thing when they fight the end boss in the Dunball Dark Keep and the Frost. Pretty much anywhere there's a large amount. Uh, in classic, I played as a mage, and AoE'd pretty much anywhere that I can find a choke point to get in there and try and get multiple kills is what I wanted to be doing. Hmm. So usually, usually off the start, I'd be heading to yeah, that the choke point, the um, is that, sorry, ice blood choke ice, point, ice
4: wing, ice wing bunker,
5: ice wing bunker choke point, uh, as well as any of the buildings that were um, had a lot of horde going to them.
4: Okay, OG, you seem to share some of those favorites. Any, any other favorites we haven't heard of?
5: Yeah, I mean, as a mage,
12: or, or really any class, but it's especially fun as a mage to to defend the choke points. Um, the, the bunker, Defending the bunkers is a lot different from defending the towers. It's kind of debatable which one you say is easier to defend. I'd say the bunkers are probably easier to defend because you have some room to move around and you have pillars up on that top level that you can use for line of sight and be able to sort of peek out and interrupt whoever's capping the flag whereas the horde towers um you know it's if you're capping the flag you're cramped into a really small room up there i think it's a bit harder to defend those but it's all about the classes you have you know if you have like a few warriors you know and a shaman uh, up in one of those horde towers that's they're they're going to be pretty effective defending it because the alliance are going to have to get right up in your face to try to cap it so in general, I would say that anybody who played or plays Alterac Valley for the PvP itself, you, wanna, you know what they're going to really enjoy is defending, you know, wiping the other team against the mini bosses, wiping them on the final boss, holding choke points, stuff like that. Mm.
4: GrimSource, I'll turn to you, and and we talk about obviously these choke points and how fun it is to run into uh, to huge groups and get your uh, get your PvP on there. But uh, I feel we should talk about a little bit at least, and I'm sure we we'll get to it at some point, but I'll bring it up now, is um, these end bosses that we're gunning for eventually. Like, you know, obviously we've got people gunning for Drek'thar, we've got people gunning for Vandar. Tell me um, which you think, I mean, obviously coming out from a Horde perspective, but once you get face-to-face with that, you know, quote-unquote final boss of AV, who do you think has an easier run of it, Horde or Alliance at that point, once you actually get there?
11: uh this one i'm actually not sure i th- i think i've read that the horde boss is a little more powerful but i'm not i'm not positive
4: that's okay do you have any uh sort of great memories of of um taking on vandar and and struggling with him or you know just sort of uh having any problems with uh some of the mobs in in that area with him or anything like that
11: um yeah the there's always the classic of people that while you're waiting for the uh alliance graveyard to cap over for you usually you're just sitting around milling about just defending and most of the time you get people running inside of the boss room aggroing running back out over and over and over again so you just get your entire chat frame is just full of him yelling for the alliance or whatever it is it's it's pretty amusing
4: (laughs) rj um i'll turn to you you're the kind of person obviously who's had a lot to say about some tactics in you know warsong gold tarathi basin if i were to ask you okay we're putting together the perfect battle plan for av let's start maybe with group composition it's you know huge group going through av what is your perfect raid group for this battleground
12: well you want to have uh, you want to have some big dps classes go desert the boss with with healers and a couple of tanks so you know I would like I, like Grim Sauce sort of mentioned you, you definitely want to send your rogues and your druids to go ninja cap right off the bat um, and especially uh, well really on either side you, you want to send the ninja cap because once you tag the tower uh, you can despawn the archers and that lets the rest of your raid kind of funnel in so having rogues and druids run ahead to cap stuff ahead of time is really important. Um, but really, in, in modern Alterac Valley, because 90% of the time it's basically a race between the two factions to try to get to the end boss and kill it faster, one of the most effective things that you can do is, like I, I mentioned earlier, I think, one of the best things you can do is have like a handful of mages, a couple of hunters, and a couple of healers stay back to defend. And they're going to get killed because, you know, they're going to be like six versus 40, you know, but even if they can sort of delay that other side from getting into your base for like three or four minutes, Mm. um, in, in today's modern AV, that's usually a Zerg that three or four minutes can win you the game. Mm. So it's actually kind of funny because a lot of times if, especially on a smaller server, um, you know, We don't know if Blizzard is going to give us battle groups or not yet, but on private servers and you know, back in the day for the majority of vanilla when there were no battle groups, uh, a lot of times it's you're seeing familiar faces and you're kind of seeing the same players in every game. And a lot of times the defense kind of escalates. For example, uh, Ale talked a little bit about Kronos 2, and I remember when I was playing there, when Alterac Valley first came out, the honor values were super broken. Um, like all of the lieutenants and all the like extra mobs you could kill just gave way too much honor. So when Alterac Valley came out, it became not even worth it for rankers to play the other battlegrounds and all the rankers just spammed Alterac Valley. And it was really funny because in the beginning, um, you know, my, my pre-made would face the other pre-made and we would both just kind of zerg and then. I started staying behind with a paladin to just drop like one huge frost nova cone of cold on on the horde raid and try to slow them down a little bit, and so then they started having a mage and a priest stay back, and then you know next thing you know we said okay well let's actually have two or three mages stay back. And it sort of had this snowball effect where after two or three weeks, both sides were just like relentlessly defending with like 15, 20 players and and getting so salty at each other because the other team, it's like, well, if you're going to defend, then we're going to defend. Okay, well, then we're going to defend with more. Oh, yeah. Well, then we're going to defend with more. Um, And so there is sort of a snowball effect, especially when you're going up against the same players on a smaller server with no battle groups.
4: Okay ale this is going to be my stupidest question of the interview but i'm trying to sit here and think of a way to word this now if i were to say to you what would be your best tactics to win an alterac valley match i guess we're living in that 1.12 world where you'd probably just say well i mean it's zerging so how much can i explain zerging there's not much to it but if i were to put a bit of a twist on it and say all right uh, if there's even a way to answer this, if I say take zerging out of the equation, let's say both camps agree not to zerg, what would you want to be barking out as orders as the general of your little uh mob, your little group there in how to, let's say your alliance, um, how would you go about trying to win an Alterac Valley match?
5: Well, uh, I'd want to set up some groups for back capping, usually, uh, stealth teams, strike teams of, uh, rogues and druids getting down and capping graveyards and towers. Uh, you want to have like a, a really good front line going, uh, pretty much anything ranged, like, uh, hunters are really, uh, for the front line, uh, huge multi shots, just cutting swaths. And, um, same thing with like mages for blizzarding the choke point, uh, warlocks as well. After that, you want to, to have like pretty much like focused, uh, strike teams of, of groups, hopefully not getting caught by the other team's AOE, trying to get behind the enemy lines and, and flank them and to be able to push, uh, to push objectives. And hopefully if you can line that up with, uh, some of the reinforcement calls or the boss, you can really like, uh, really, it really helps to break stalemates
4: okay grim source you've just heard the obviously og and ale chime in on some of their uh general tactics for av i asked ale about the alliance point of view perhaps obviously you mentioned your horde anything that you'd add and again i'll put you in that hypothetical situation of let's say for some reason both sides have agreed not to zerg from the horde perspective anything you'd add on some of the tactics that you'd be barking out as the general of the horde saying guys let's do it this way to ensure a win
11: Oh yeah, uh, my favorite troll strategy is to just get your entire team with you to go defend your mini boss and just wipe the alliance over and over and over again on your mini boss, kind of causing a turtle effect, which is always. So if you want to cause some real PvP and have a turtle and a fun match in 112 AV, that's the best way to do it, I think, is to defend your mini boss dude and just wipe the alliance.
4: Okay, I'll stick with you. Yeah, group. that's that's oh, a sorry, really go good
11: point.
5: Is to make the uh, like kind of have small uh, strike groups to like defend objectives is really important. Hmm.
4: Grimsource, I'll stick with you, mate, because you mentioned this point earlier, and and we can dive into it a bit further. Because I believe Ale, we've discussed um, a little bit of the graveyard tactics in AB as well. And you said you were a mage, and you liked to organise, you know, bombing groups. You go out and you set fire to places with, not set fire, but you blow places up with arcane explosion. And one of those places might be graveyards. Talk to me, um, Grimsource, about the importance of you know, maybe trying to control the graveyard in AV?
11: Uh, Basically, I'd say the main point of controlling a graveyard is just so that your team doesn't end up getting bottlenecked anywhere or encounter to make the enemy team bottlenecked. It. So, like, you would only cap the Frostwolf Relief Hut as alliance and not the one right above it or something similar to that. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. OG, anything else to add to that about the importance of graveyards in A B?
12: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the best ways that you can force a turtle is by uh recapping um not not Ice wing, but uh Stonehearth graveyard as alliance. If you if you actually recap Stonehearth, um it it can really turn the game into a turtle. Mm. So, which, because which graveyards each team controls um, and where they're spawning has a lot to do with what the sort of mindless Zerg of a big pug group will do. So, if the Alliance is not, so I want to say it's Stonehearth Graveyard that's right there in that choke point by Icewing Bunker. I'm pretty sure it's Stonehearth Graveyard. Um, if the Alliance is in control of that, then what you'll notice is that. The the players that respawn there will just kind of mindlessly defend that choke point like ninety percent of the time. So capping graveyards that are counterproductive to Zerging can actually sort of force a turtle in its own way. Um if the horde caps that graveyard and then you recap it as an Alliance player, you will be flamed very hard. <laughs>
5: Yeah, sometimes uh, when you're playing, a team will push uh, too far ahead of a graveyard that hasn't yet capped. So I think it takes um, five minutes maybe, I'm not exactly sure on the time, from the point that you uh, capture a graveyard until you can actually start spawning at it. And so a lot of times uh, a team will capture a graveyard and then immediately move on to the next objective, and they won't be spawning there so anybody you can kill will actually be spawning at a further back graveyard. And so I think that's kind of what um OG was referencing where um you know they'll have a graveyard cap. They won't be spawning there but they'll be pushing forward. So anybody you're able to kill is going to be spawning way back. And so there'll be times where they'll actually cap say it's a uh, horde attacking. They'll cap Stormpike and maybe the relief hut. And any kills you get there, they're going to be sent all the way back to Stonehearth, and you'll be able to defend at any of the two choke points, right? And that really can set up like a longer turtle game after that if they, you know, inadvertently push way too far in and don't like wait and defend their graveyard to cap.
4: Grimsource, I'll come to you and just ask. We've heard from OG about some of the classes that he feels might sort of revel in AV, particularly if you sit back and defend. Um, are there any classes that you feel are particularly? And I know again, it might seem like a strange question because you never know what kind of a situation you're going to be in. But you know, is there any particular class that you feel works really well in AV, or from your experience, you've had a you know lot of fun playing one particular class or spec in this battleground?
11: Yeah, I have a bit of a bias on this because I'm a huge druid fan. And I always say you can't have enough Druids. So if I could have a whole entire AV full of just Druids, I would do it in a heartbeat.
4: (laughs) Fair enough. Well, you mentioned that you've rolled as Resto Druid and you've spent time as Resto in AV. I mean, I really find it interesting. It's something that doesn't get talked about a a lot, the POV of a healer in a battleground. And we don't really talk about the importance of getting your heals up as, you know, all the mayhem is breaking out. So tell me something that maybe as a resto druid you're trying to do or something that you're keeping an eye out for while all hell is breaking loose in AV.
11: Yeah, so I think the single biggest piece of advice, uh, healer needs in AV is just to be aware of where the battle, so where the front line of the battle is happening. Cause you need to make sure that you're a ways behind that and that front line is always constantly changing. And so you need to be adjusting yourself so that your warriors who are charging into the alliance or something aren't outranging you and just dying instantly or that the alliance warriors aren't just rushing in and you know, global in you or something just like that.
4: Hmm. Oh, gee. It was put forward in the last call last week that AV might be a battleground that unfortunately gets a little bit ignored once people have got their reputation up to exalted. You know, you grind that rep and then you get the fuck out. Um, cause, you know, generally people will feel that Warsong Gulch or Arathi Basin is the place to be, particularly for rankers. Um, tell me why av is either the place or not the place to be as a ranker
12: well it all depends on the honor values um i mentioned that on chronos 2 the honor values in av were super busted so as soon as it came out that was all that anyone played ranking for a very long time um even even on Warsaw gulch weekend when Warsaw gulch had the bonus honor it was still better honor per hour to just farm alterac valley That was super broken and it really bummed me out because it kind of killed PVP on that server. So I'm hoping that the all Valley version we get on classic won't have those super inflated honor values, especially for killing the lieutenants and stuff with proper honor values in terms of ranking with no bonuses in the equation. The best honor per hour is five capping Arathi basin. Um, it's slightly better than Warsong Gulch. You can you can 3-0 Warsong Gulch in six minutes if everybody uses speeds and you're super efficient. And so a five cap, an instant five cap in a Rathy Basin is better honor per hour than six-minute Warsong Gulch wins. However, if you are struggling to five cap, then Warsong Gulch is better. Um, and all of that is with no bonuses factored in. With the bonuses, uh, ideally whichever battleground is in the bonus weekend is going to be the one that rankers quote-unquote should be playing so um with with if all of that is consistent on classic then you'll probably see rankers mostly playing a basin and then they'll switch to warsong gulch on warsong gulch week and they'll switch to all valley on all valley week the the funny thing about all valley is that You can't actually queue a raid group for Alterac Valley through the vanilla UI itself. You can only solo queue. Now, back in the day, a lot of people used an add-on called Stinky Queue that allowed people to kind of solo queue and know ahead of time whether they were going to get into the same game as their friends. Another really little-known fact is that there's while you can't queue for AV as a raid group through the vanilla UI, there actually is a script that exists in the game files that lets you queue a raid group for AV. This script existed. It existed in Retail Vanilla. It was a very, very little-known thing back then. But today, on private servers, if you have the add-on LazyPig, which is super common, um, and you're the leader of a raid group and you click the queue master, one of the features of LazyPig is that it actually automatically runs that script to queue a group for Alterac Valley. Now, most private servers have that script blocked because 90% of the general population views AV pre-mades as just like a really dumb kind of exploity thing that sort of ruins the game for everyone else. But, if I can tell a funny story, um, on Nostalrius, the developers were not aware that that script to queue a raid group existed. So, a v came out, and you know, as soon as it released, we had a full forty man raid ready to go just in case the script wasn't blocked. And lo and behold, the script was not blocked. Mm. So we queued up with our forty man raid. We farmed up to revered reputation within like a matter of hours. Huh. and dream state dream State did the same thing. So there was dream state, forty man and then the nope forty man both doing this. So after a few hours, we started getting whispers from the GMs asking us how we were queuing a raid group for Alterac Valley, and I believe Maitaz was the raid leader at the time. And I don't—I'm not even sure that he was aware of the script. We just all had Lazy Pig, and so he told the GMs, "Listen, all I—all I'm doing is right-clicking on the queue master, and it's putting my group in the battleground." And that was when Juddy spoke up, who. That guy has a deeper knowledge of Vanilla WoW than anyone I've ever known. That was when he spoke up and kind of told us all, hey, there's a script that exists that lets you queue, and it's actually a feature of Lazy Pig. So the reason it's letting us do it is because Lazy Pig is running the script. Mm. So then we started trying to explain that to the GMs, and they were very, very confused. And they accused Monkey News of developing third-party software to allow, <laughs> to, to bypass queue restrictions and queue a raid group for AV. So, you know, we're sitting here, I was ranked 12, I think, at the time, like in the thick of my grind. We have our whole guild, like halfway through Revered. And then Monkey News and Mytaz got teleported to GM Island and... If you've ever seen, like, the interrogation room, there's a really funny video of the story I'm telling right now on oh, YouTube wow. that you can actually actually look up. Um, I can link it and count down to Classic Discord. Yeah, thanks, the man. Call. But Monkey News and Maita's got teleported to – it's like an interrogation room on GM Island, and they polymorph you into a rat and, like, put you in this chair with, like, <laughs> a spotlight on you. It's It's absolutely hilarious. And they were just being interrogated ruthlessly – and no matter how many times we tried to explain, like, listen, we we're just clicking the Q Master and it's letting us in. They ch- somehow chalked it up to the fact that we had developed an add-on to basically let us cheat. Um, and so they banned my and Monkey Doo's and reset our whole guild's rep to wow. zero. <laughs>
4: wow, they needed and like it uh... was only
12: it was only after that that they realized the script existed and they blocked it. And then there was no more pre meeting AV on nostalgia. but. You know, with that said, once that script is blocked, everybody just counts down in voice chat, you know, three, two, one, Q, and you usually end up in the same game anyway. So
4: that's fucking hilarious. They needed the digital version of like uh, your character strapped naked to a chair with a digital Mads Mikkelsen with a uh, carpet beater, like uh, from Casino Royale. Yeah, with the hole cut out of the chair. But anyway. Guys, we'll we'll start to wrap it up, and I'm going to ask all of you uh this question next. So I'll I'll cut to Grim Source for a question, and then I'll ask all of you eventually what your favorite, if you have a favorite AV story, or a funny, or a particularly fond memory of a match that you played in AV. So think about that one in the background while I ask Grim Source this. Grim Source, we've touched on a lot of love for AV in this call, but if I had to sort of you know put the flame to you and ask in the 1.12 version of av um, and let's say discounting the potential zerg effect is there anything in the content of av that you actually really dislike
11: i think the archers in the bunkers right above that the alliance base bridge the archers in the bunkers hmm. that's just such a ball breaker every single time you'll get a group of noobs and a new av and They'll just try to bum rush the bridge and I'll just die. It's kind of uh, super annoying.
4: Mm, Yeah, I have heard about the archers. Do you guys share that sentiment that the archers can fuck right off?
12: Yeah, the archers do an insane amount of damage and they're way worse with that bridge because you're forced to just be in their range for so long while you're trying to get in Mm. that's why backdoor jump is so good
4: okay ale i'll get you to kick us off man i don't know if you've thought of a story but i'll I'll put you in the hot seat and say do you have one story that really comes to the forefront of your mind as one of the the funnier or more memorable av matches that you've ever been involved in
5: I have two. One's really short. Though, go, go for that's it. okay. Go for it, man. Um the server that I was on, the Malganis US had um the Goon Squad on the horde, which yep. were kind of notorious for doing broken things and kind of messing stuff up. And they're kind of responsible for getting multiple things like nerfed and removed from the game. One of them being uh due to a buff on the horde they're able to kill their own faction leader. But the one that I'm thinking of is kind of using um what OG talked about to queue in as a full team. Um this was in like kind of pre pre all the content removal. Um there was a quest before where you could actually get an elite shredder pet. But it had pretty steep requirements. I think you need a bunch of mithril bars and thorium bars and stuff. But they had an entire raid go in. Everybody got this uh combat pet. Um I guess kind of like the Yeti, except it was an elite, and it had a 48-hour cooldown. Uh, so basically everybody in the whole raid got this and then it was an 80, like 80 on 40 total slaughter. And basically they just wiped the floor with AV nonstop until blizzard removed it.
12: That's actually amazing. Holy shit.
5: Yeah, it was ridiculous. So that actually was like, as far as I know, they were partly responsible for getting that, getting that removed. That's the first one. The second one is kind of similar. Um, our guild at the time, uh, Raid Guild, we were able to queue in and get most of our guys in into an AV, uh, like 35 or 36. I, I think I might have told this story before, but um, we were able to queue in, and uh, actually Alodak, um who we, I, thanks to you guys I got to meet up with, had concocted an evil strategy to grief the horde for some punishment they had laid on us at a green dragon, and what we did is we capped uh, all the points so the horde were spawning in their entrance, and we took our tanks in and pulled the guards out and tanked the guards without killing them, and then just nonstop A weed the horde down as soon as they spawned for like <laughs> two or three hours until the GMs despawned the game.
4: <laughs> very good, very good. Grimslaw, I'll turn to you, man. Can you think of one epic AV battle that stands out in your mind?
11: Yeah, actually, I had an experience just on the Northdale server, right? The first day of the AV release. Uh, I had a similar experience with Ale's last story there. The top rankier guild on the server for Alliance, they shut down the entire AV and just farmed us. Sp- I don't think they went deep all the way down into the cave and spawn, and, uh, spawn camped you, but they were sitting right at the entrance of the cave. And so as soon as I zoned in to that particular A V, uh I just saw forty ghosts on the horde side and I died instantly.
4: <laughs> okay. Now, OG, mate, we'll round it up with you. You have played God knows how many hours of Alterac Valley in your time. Disgusting amounts. Yeah, absolute revolting amounts. Now it might be hard Putrid. to <laughs> vile amounts. Now Let's say if I were to somehow ask you to pull out one story out of your ass that really stands at the forefront of your mind as being maybe a particularly funny one or a memorable one, what would it be?
12: Well, the day that we got our rep reset and Moo and, and has got banned was a pretty fucking epic day. Uh, I already talked about so I would say on on Chronos Two, when I mentioned it was my last couple weeks of ranking there, that Alterac Valley came out and and the honor was so busted it was all anybody played, and just that that like back and forth of us versus the horde pre made, and like you know me deciding to defend as a solo mage and like all the horde players whispering me on level ones like dude what the fuck are you doing you're like you're gonna ruin the honor for everyone but I just I have this attitude where like I I hate losing like even though it made total sense in terms of honor per hour to just zerg whether you won or lost i just i couldn't stand to do that and i was kind of in charge of that pre-made so i i basically convinced everyone like no like fuck the horde pre-made it doesn't matter if we have to be online for way longer to get our honor like we're not just gonna let them win and i remember in particular one really epic game where we had just been holding the alliance base for like an hour and i had to go on do not disturb because i was just being spammed by the horde premade so hard like telling me what a <laughs> fucking retard i was like and that i was ruining everything and i just remember um having all our mages rank 1 blizzarding on the bridge and the horde the whole horde premade just standing there and then i shit you not 40 guys popped free action potions just simultaneously and they just like they just ran through us and it was just like one of the most epic things that I've seen in Alterac Valley because they had just been beating their heads against the wall of our turtle for so long and the sight of 40 players all fapped just just charging you down with like 10 warriors in the front mm. was just absolutely terrifying and they just tore straight through us and i remember my my players and my pre-made got pretty frustrated and i said well they deserve to win because they were more tryhard right there. You know, maybe if all of you guys had popped faps, we could have won.
4: <laughs> now I'm being told in Twitch chat by uh listener, gnome F OG forgot to mention that he bugged himself into stairs and AOE, the horde players without them being able to attack back. Does that ring a bell? Mm,
12: there was a sp- There are a couple spots where you can blink into a staircase. Yeah. Uh, and I know I've done that before, but I don't think it's ever something I like made a habit out of doing. Hmm. I was always way too scared of getting banned to like do shit like that on a regular basis. You know, with having rank thirteen gear and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I definitely, I definitely have experimented with that before, but I was always, I've always been super paranoid about like breaking rules and getting banned on a character that you know I put hmm. so much effort into. So hmm. it's not,
5: it's not something I ever did consistently.
4: All right, guys. We'll it, look, oh, sorry. So someone got something.
5: No, I was just going to say the old uh, marijuana defense. I tried it once, but, you know. (laughs) Exactly.
4: Yeah, I didn't inhale. Exactly. Um, (laughs) All right, guys. Look, thanks so much for being on this call. I really appreciate it. We'll wrap it up there. Thanks for talking everything, AV. I know all of you on this call are busting to get back to that battleground when Classic drops. I'm busting to try it out seriously for the first time, so that'll be, you know, good fun. I've only set foot in there once or twice and wasn't really taking it very seriously, but I'll give it a good go when Classic drops now that I know a bit more about it. But look, let's go through it all. Ale, thanks again, man.
5: Thanks for having me.
4: OG, you know, you're always welcome here, man. Thanks so much
5: pleasure to be here.
4: And Grim Sauce, I I hope we were gentle for your first time. It was so great having you here.
11: Oh, you guys were super gentle. I really enjoyed.
4: <laughs> Thanks so much, man, and we'll see you around the Discord. We'll talk to you later, guys. See ya. All right, see ya. Bye. So that's the show for today, everyone. But be sure to tune in next week as we have even more calls for you. I've got fifteen calls left in the bank as Caller Palooza 2019 rages on. Kevin Jordan will be back to break down another class, so we'll touch on that and much, much more. But until then, it's time for some thank yous and a big thank you, as always, to patrons: Aeropc, Anti, Binger, Brandon K, Cascade, Connor C, Damian A, Dave K, David F, Eric. E- L. Herbert, James S, Jamie S, Jeff J, John A. C, Josh W, Minoru, Randall H, RareBit, Rick S., Ryan K, Shmig Sylvia K, Tim B, Tim S., Voikora, and Zudemos. And of course, the very dedicated patrons of Countdown to Classic, an extra special shout-out and thank you from the bottom of my heart. To Billy C, Firespit and Kitten, Flozy B, John M, Carl W, Nick B, Palfuris, Romani, Tsunami, The Anton, Wilson Ma, and Volaco. Thank you so much for your phenomenal show of support to Countdown to Classic. This show would not be on the air without your assistance, and I thank you greatly for that. But that's it for today. Have a great rest of the week, everyone. I'll see you all next time.